The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. We are here live. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yes, she is, and I'm Kenneth with Danwest Garden Centers. And Veda, good morning to you. We missed you last weekend. Thank you, and now we miss Jim this weekend. And next weekend. Right, yeah. Well, He'll be I guess he for... picked a good time to go to Florida. Now, what is the forecast out in Gulf Shores? Where did Jim go? Uh, Gulf Shores. I did see a post it's where not... he was like he was freezing down there also. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not so, snowing down there, is it? I don't Who knows? <laughs> yeah, really. I couldn't doubt it. If it was, I could not doubt it. But what a week. Woo! Oh, man. Cold, snowy, icy. loved it. I've loved it. And it was kind of like... We didn't get the ice, so that's what kind of snow I wanted was a snow that a fluffy where we could snow. still yeah, we could still function and run around and all and, that. Until Yeah. Until, it all got packed down. <laughs> right. And then icy again. But it was the coldness, the bitter coldness Ooh. that kind of took away from hanging out in the snow because I didn't hardly at all. I mean, even last night, you know, it got really cold again and we got one more night yeah. of cold weather. And then after tonight then it's rain, rain, yeah. warmer, yeah. Than rain, yeah. and then what? Oh, then it'll be beach weather, beach these, weather. These poor and plants. Then, <laughs> then we get our, you know, our last really good freeze of the year. Yeah. You know, no, when the I say wind, freeze, our uh-huh. next event. Oh, oh, until we, yeah, because yeah. the up and down Oh, thing, yeah, right, of course right. we will. I know. It, you know, like, it is hard to predict what kind of long-term weather we'll have in the winter, because we have those dips. It's like, like Jim said, mm. it could be warm <clears throat> and um, not as rainy, but then we have those little periods of dips <laughs> that just wear us out. You sent me a text and something about the long-term weather forecast for the northern regions of the United States yeah. and the southern regions of the United States. Right. And it was just flip-flop. It was. It was from the Commodity Weather Group. And it's uh, they're like the leader in the weather risk management business. There you go. Yeah. So they so, really have a lot of meteor, a lot meteor, meteorologists, <laughs> them people's yeah. together. Yeah. Um, you know, just because of the commodity thing, even down to agriculture and all that. So they're they're predicting the other way. We're colder, and the northern areas are warmer. For the rest of the winter. <laughs> yeah, for the rest of the winter. Now so. you know, warmer to them still could be freezing to us i know that's true but still the what i took out of that was the southern states mm-hmm. uh it's going to be cooler than normal yeah. for the rest of the winter right right where the northern states are going to be warmer than normal well like the beginning of the the winter i didn't have any ideas really and so i was thinking well percentage wise these past four winters or so you know we've had snow and we've just had really cold weather so percentage wise we should be due for a little warmer kind but then it didn't seem like that would happen because the uh woolly bears had (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) but the good thing is you know like we talked about two weeks ago the event that we've just gone through this whole past week now yeah it's been cold bitterly Mm -hmm. cold but thank goodness we've had some cold weather leading up to all this. And that was our whole right, show, remember, right. two weekends ago, is, you know, people were freaking out because of what happened a year ago. 
you know, that mm-hmm. flash freeze that we had. Well, this wasn't a flash freeze. I mean, this was definitely freezing temperatures. Mm-hmm. But like I said, we, thank goodness, had cold temperatures leading yeah. up to this beta. There's no way we can endure two flash freezes in uh-uh. in two years. Where, you know, last year, i never seen that much damage during right. the winter. same, yeah. Uh, where this year, like I said, people were like, oh, my God, here it comes again. Mm-hmm. For all the right reasons, they're thinking that. But thank goodness, uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Now, are we going to see some damage out there with these extreme temperatures yeah. that we've had? Of course we are. Right. Is to it going to be? Zone, to our zone eight plants. Exactly. <laughs> God, exactly. So we might have to just kind of figure out, you know, what, you know, Really, what should we not be mm-hmm. planting around here? Yeah. And then, and then know what plants are going to be marginal. Right. You know, at best, when we plant them around here. And then, of course, the old standbys. But, you know, I mean, I can't blame people. I'm the same way. I want to get out there and grab shrubs that I've never planted before. Yeah. You know? And, uh, the weather like this, when I'm looking through the availabilities of, you know, figuring out what we're going to get in the first couple of trucks in spring. And I'm thinking, oh, let's do some rhododendrons and some lilacs yeah. because they like it, you know, cooler. And I'm going, wait a minute. Yeah, Think we, about we're not the there. summer. Think yeah. about the summer. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but it's right. I mean, you're right. There is a reason you said zone eight because Memphis, Tennessee has been zoned eight. Yeah. That little dot where Memphis is on the map, okay? It's eight yeah, instead of seven B. Yeah, and then before seven B, it was seven, mm-hmm. okay? So you're talking about a whole point so. when it comes to zoning, and that's all fine and good, right? Mm-hmm. But all it takes there, again, is one event that happened a year ago, and people are like, mm-mm. Yeah. No, nope, I'm not going down that road again. Right. Right. So, well, now let's just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> there she goes. Let's just go for it. I mean, hopefully that we won't ever see that again. But that's the that's the thing here in the mm-hmm. mid south. We always talk about it. You don't know, right? You just don't know. We just can't say. So we're like middle of January, and now spring is something like sixty five days away, maybe. Yeah. So that's two months yeah. away. So let's not even get in a hurry. <laughs> no, and then, you know, and then the flip side of all that is you and I both know, Veda, what February can bring. I mean, that's mm-hmm. usually our craziest month. It is, yeah. When it comes to funky, you know, precipitation mm-hmm. and weather and things like that, even March. You I know, know. See, March could be a break it or make it, right? It can. I mean, mm-hmm. in some years, March is absolutely beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, just great almost fallish early spring like weather yeah uh, and then some other times it's it's crazy up and down just like january and february mm-hmm. so i mean we'll have to wait and see of course we'll watch the forecast and so forth but like you just said we just need to kind of cool our jets and just right. even though we're all praying and, and can't wait for spring mm-hmm. uh it, we're not there yet yeah i'm always there i'm always ready for sure like after valentine's day For me, I feel like, you know, after Valentine's Day, I'm ready to start seeing some daffodils and some crocus. And And like the just a a breath of fresh air. Yeah, just the little, little things popping out. And, you know, I like to enjoy all that happening. I don't want it to immediately turn into summer. But that's how I feel when it starts into February. And then March. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what that's going to be? I think... um, March is when we all, as gardeners, get the most fidgety. Oh, sure. And then even, you know, April, you know, we think, okay, April comes around and, man, we're good to go. Well, if you remember last year, our last frost was April the 19th. 
I mean, the frost oh, date sure around was. here is April the 15th, okay? Yeah. you Typically, you don't have a killing frost after April the 15th. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, living here in the Mid-South, mm-hmm. especially here in Memphis, it, you, man, it is just hard to figure out. It is. Um, do y'all do... When do you get your onion sets in? Do y'all get those in like another month or so? We've actually got some. Uh, we got some in late last fall. So I've got yeah, yellow onion right. sets, a big bag of them hanging uh-huh. up in the back right inside the building. Have you ever grown them from seed? I know. We sell a lot of onion seeds. Yeah. All the new seed packets are in. It seems weird to me. I don't know why to grow an onion from a seed, but um, somehow I just got... But you know what the big difference stuff. is, you know, what? when you buy like an onion bulb, an onion mm-hmm. set, a bulb, uh, and you plant those down in, the, in your trenches, yeah. uh, what you'll get is typically, you know, the, the green top. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you leave them in the ground long enough, right, uh, like a Texas sweet, you'll get a little bigger onion, mm-hmm. okay? But when I'm thinking of onion seed, that's where you get your big white and yellow yeah. onions. Yeah. Uh, you know, the biggest thing with any any crop that you're growing that produces mm-hmm. underground, you better make sure you've got some good loose soil down there. I don't care if it's a carrot, a radish, <laughs> a beet, or even uh-huh. a, like an onion. Because if you have heavy clay, they're just not going mm-hmm. to perform the way right. they should. Yeah, see, I was looking at seeds that maybe I wanted to start some inside. And one of them was onions that you could start now. Because if you started it now, by the time you put it out, it would give you enough time to get a really big onion. onion. <laughs> yeah, so. But most people go the easy route and just get the onion sets, the mm-hmm. little bulbs, and stick those, you know, just set those down in their trenches and pull them as a green onion, cut them as a green onion, but also knowing that if they leave them in the ground long enough, they're not going to get a big onion that you see at the grocery store. Yeah. But you will get a bigger onion, okay? Right, it's not right. going to be, it's going to be bigger than a marble, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. With our clay soil, yeah, you're right. It has a difficulty sometimes. Okay, y'all, we're going to run to a break. We want to hear what you've got going on. If y'all are even awake, y'all can just give us a shout out or say hey on our Facebook Live. We'll be right back. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Give us a call, 901 901- Two six zero five nine two six, or you can post questions on Facebook Live. Yeah, the Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page, Mid South Gardening, and of course, if you miss all this, you can go back and listen to the podcast, which a lot of people do anytime mm-hmm. that you want. It's your luxury. Uh, KWM Radio streaming live all the time. And then, so if you want some stuff to, you know, now's a good time to be planning, of course, because um, what are you going to do today? Of course, you might come out, go outside, and uncover some stuff and look and see how well, nice we'll, it we'll is. We'll talk about that too. Yeah, and. Uh, talks and things like that going on but good morning jan thanks for getting up with us this morning well good morning uh, good morning morning to you mr jan and i hope you're hopefully in the living room with your feet kicked up with a big fire going (laughs) Hmm. well if we were facetiming that's exactly what you would see (laughs) (laughs) i love it what's going on this morning Oh, your phone's going out too much. I think you might have to try back. I don't think it's us, but yeah. Jan, you were cutting in and out, buddy. We couldn't hear you, but just every now and then we could hear just a little bit of one word. Yeah. Philip, yeah, we have to see if Jan can call us back. So, um, But, Veda, one of the things that we talked about, uh, and Jan, give us a call back if you can, last weekend was the 
uh, Memphis Area Master Gardeners present. We had Jan Childers up here with uh, Jamie right, up here Jane. with us, and Jan was up here too. Um, a better way to garden, seasonal garden information. Uh, and that, like I said, put on by the Memphis Area Master Gardeners. And that's February the 17th. Write that one down, guys, uh, 9 to 12 at the Litterman Nature Center, which is 5992 Quince Road. And it said, also, please bring a non-perishable food item to be donated to the Collierville Food Bank, which I think is great. Uh, and it's $10, for, of course, for Master Gardeners and $12 to the public. But they got two really good speakers. One is Jason Powell, uh, Petals from the Past, mm-hmm. uh, Survivors in the Garden. See, that right there, just that's worth my price of admission. And then Dr. Jared Barnes, uh, Perennials with a Southern Flair. See, that both of those topics would be great. Uh, And that's, uh, of course, like I said, that's February the 17th. And then real quick, Veda, the six-part series of Garden Talks at the uh, Memphis, uh, at the Bartlett Public Library. Uh, This is the events by the uh, Bartlett City Beautiful. And Tom Ryman did last Saturday... Garden myths, right. which you know are hard to die. You know that. <laughs> and then today, the twentieth, if they're open, you might want to call it in advance. But I'm sure they are with the way the streets are now. Uh, native pollinators with Susan McKnight, and see that's pretty cool because native plants out there are some of the plants that are our best pollinators. Right. Okay. Right. So it, this would be a great topic also. And then next weekend, the art of espalier. Mm-hmm. You know, mm, I love that. Yeah, one. that's with Tom Ryman again. February the eighth, uh, curb appeal with Kim uh, Halyak, and then February the tenth, maintaining a uh, flower bed. Like I said before, you can always create a flower flower bed. You can always plant one, but then you got to maintain the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. so that'd be pretty cool. And then lastly, on February the seventeenth, uh, backyard chickens uh, with Joni Bailey, and that's uh, you know, chickens are still a. Mm-hmm. Big thing. We don't quite hear as much about them. Yeah. But man, there's still a lot of people out there that have backyard chickens. I guess they've become a little more normal, so we're not you know, right. talking about them as much. Yeah. Mm. And I know the secret to espalier is patience. Yeah. See, you and have that's to what wait for it to grow to to wind it. Pyracanthid <clears throat> grows quickly. I like to do that one. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I like the, the spiral junipers. Yeah. The pom pom junipers. So topiaries, do they do in topiaries or spellier? Spellier, yeah. you, you put it up against the wall, but a lot of times you do see things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, camellias, for yeah. example. I mean, yeah. even dwarf fruit trees. Right. There is, yeah, there are some, I'm going to order them this year. They're like called camellia hedge boxes. They're in about a, a foot by two foot box, but they've got a little trellis on it and it makes a cute little camellia. You know, with the back, like you can get them in five gallon, fifteen gallon. Well, these are going to be in a little smaller. We can put them in long flower pots or something like that. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, they're already kind of espaliered against yeah, the trellis. Yeah, yeah. And the espalier, me, I guess, means to me just uh, flat. Well, yeah, fl- a flat, a plant that's been pruned to grow flat up against a wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I mean, you can definitely do magnolia now. I've seen magnolia espaliers, and if they're not uh, pinched or just you always have to clip the ends to keep them full and, and compact and within shape. It's almost like bonsai to me. Yeah. Or bonsai. But it's easy for a magnolia. It's not scary. You know, you just always constantly clip the ends off and that keeps it really bulk and beautiful and they still bloom, but you can have a magnolia in a small spot. 
like I guess a dwarf magnolia, like yeah. a little gym yeah. or a teddy bear, yeah, that's one of those. Mostly what they use, not this gyms. southern magnolia right. that you're trying to keep flat. <laughs> oh yeah, that's too much trying to keep something in control. I would think, yeah. So and of course now you know you can get a bunch of fruit. You can get plenty of fruit to uh, can peaches or whatever on espalier fruit trees. Yeah, and I've seen these little dwarf trees that people have espaliered mm-hmm. against these walls, and most people do it for. Decorative purposes, yeah. not so much because they don't have the room to do it. Yeah, uh, but it God, they, good. yeah, it looks good, right? So that'll be a good one to go to. All of them will. Yeah, because really, the whole thing is putting your pattern on the wall first, figuring out what pattern you want to use. Well, you mentioned pyracantha. Mm-hmm. That's one of the easiest. Now you better be careful because they get little mm-hmm. thorns on them. But that's one of the easiest shrubs because it is a a viney shrub yeah, yeah. Uh, to espalier against a wall my good friend mark hutton had and i'm, I'm really proud of him for doing this because he's not a, a a gardener okay mm-hmm. uh, but he planted three of them against a brick wall and he let them just to start to grow and he would t- attach them to the wall right because okay? they don't right. they're not self-adhesive you got to attach them to the wall yeah. they and he made these diamond shapes mm-hmm. uh, and he let them all grow together and but he would train them and it was yeah. to him it was just fun to do and they looked like a diamond grid mm-hmm. and i'm like man you know first this gentleman not to be a gardener yeah oh uh, man he can surely spay some pyracanthus right he's being ar- an artist there and it's it's a <laughs> great look now even if he did nothing you know pyracanthus mm-hmm. still a good look because it's yeah. flat up against that wall and he needed something on that wall but when you start creating designs and kind of bending those limbs mm-hmm. and attaching them to, and make them go where you want them to go, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Now it's <laughs> making me want to do a few of those. Yeah, but you can do it with vines. Uh, of course, you have to prune a whole lot more with the vine, but it's easy. It, it is, y'all. It's really easy. It's just something that takes a, a minute to work at. Yeah, like you said, patience, grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jan, thanks for uh, giving us a call. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Well, good morning again. This good is morning. so much better, yeah. Jan. We can actually hear you now, buddy. Well, can you hear the fire popping? <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're <man>. killing me. <laughs> Jan, every time, and I don't tell me if I'm crazy or not, but every time I get, we get really frigid, cold temperatures that come through Memphis, uh, I always think about you and your gardenia. And uh, because gardenias are one of those marginal plants where, hey, they might make it through a winter, they might not. But they don't, Jan's had this thing for 30-something years. You know. So how are you looking now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that you know, this reminds me of that, that great Alabama group, you know, country group that had that hit, Here We Go Again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Y'all might be able to sing it, but we are. Here We Go Again. But uh, I did <laughs> notice more people this year uh, had covered their plants. I'm sure y'all have oh, yeah. uh, had people coming in and getting stuff and mm-hmm. uh, to but you, we're, I'm seeing more and more uh, people having covered their plants this go around. Yeah, no doubt about it. Because they did, like you just said. Here we go again. They wanted to prevent that from happening in the same way it happened, you know, a year ago. So let's hope our marginal shrubs, you know, including gardenias, will make it through this unscathed. Because they were hardened off at least. Yeah, this thank time. goodness. Yeah. Well, I did. I did uh, take your. You know your advice and uh, and covered mine yeah. in cloth and yeah. not plastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mm. dare say, hope no one's listening. <laughs> well, I hope everyone's listening. But uh, <laughs> Kenneth, I did put a, a heat lamp under them a few nights. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this creates a little heat down there, which makes a big difference. I mean, just sometimes just even a few degrees can make a big difference. Well, I hope so, because it did come back after last year. It did not bloom, but it did come back during the course of late summer. And I've talked to other friends who mm-hmm. actually did the same thing and actually had a friend that did get a few blooms out of theirs mm-hmm. in the fall. But yeah, uh, it looked like it was coming back. Uh, so, Well, you know what, Jen? I'll, I'll go through a year without bloom, just mm-hmm. knowing that my shrub is going to come back, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then since this was the second hit, I think it was really good to go ahead and just protect it a little bit because they're still kind of stressed, I would think. Well, we hope it. We, you know, we we're all looking forward to spring, and we all have to go through this, and this is the second year in a row. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, Jam, we love you to death. We appreciate you getting up with us this morning. I know we got to go to a break here in about one minute. Uh, Anything else, real quick, that we need to know coming from your end? Wondering how the roads were when y'all were driving into your studio. The side roads are still horrible. I'm telling you, they're they're frozen over. I mean, they are slick as everything. Now the main roads, no they're problem. perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, be safe and thank you all for your show. All right, thanks, Jan. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Glad Jan. You called back. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, it was. Um, let's see, like Houston Levy. That's kind of a big road. That was that was okay. For me, and then the interstate all the way. Yeah. Even the exit onto Poplar, but then when we kind of got on Poplar, right at that area, it was a little... But like I said, just these side streets that no one's been on. Well, the cars have been on, but no one's been on them with the road graders to get all that off. So you got to just take your time, man. I'm telling you. You do. You do. All right, y'all, hang on. We're going to take a quick break. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926, or post questions on Facebook Live, and we can read them that way. And that's the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. And like Veda said, if you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. We were talking to Jan Gwynn a while ago, and he had gone out there and covered up his gardenia. Yeah. Uh, And there are some do's and don'ts when we do that, right? Oh, um, that's right. One of the do's is I don't mind using fabric on any shrub, whether it's a sheet or whether it's a you know a blanket or or whatever. Um, I really don't like using plastic uh, as far as my first layer anyway, because mm-hmm. p- you know plastic, if it touches the foliage of that plant, it's going to transfer that code directly to that tissue, and it's going <laughs> it's not going to yeah. be a good look when you take that plastic off. I promise you. But uh, one of the questions was, how long do I keep my fabric uh, or my covering on my shrubs? Well, I would leave it on again all day today and through tonight. And, you know, as long mm-hmm. as the uh, forecast of extreme cold weather is gone, you know, we're just going to start getting all that stuff off. But I would leave it on one more day and tonight mm-hmm. for sure. Now we're not going to be above freezing today, No, are we? or yeah. it's going to be another cold night tonight. But when it comes to plastic, Veda, a lot of people will use plastic, but they'll do it one or two ways, ideally, is they'll put some fabric on the shrub first and then put plastic on top of that, Yeah. okay, yeah. where the plastic is not touching the, uh, the, the tissue of the plant. Um, but w- one thing I always like to tell people, if you are using plastic, uh, which does a good job of holding heat in from the earth, okay, 
you still have to vent that plastic. In other words, with that sun, if the sun comes out like it did yesterday, mm-hmm. you need to kind of prop up one corner of that uh, of that right. covering to let some air get in there, believe it or not. Right. Exactly. I was worried about the greenhouse being closed up all day because it just gets really hot, and even though it's cold outside. So, I mean, you're right. But, mm-hmm. you, but now, the thing, though, with, with fabric... By itself, mm-hmm. whether it's a frost cloth or whether it's a blanket or, you know, bed sheets, whatever, you can leave those on as long as you want. You don't have to vent. You don't have to do anything, okay? Right. Because you're not going to build all that heat up inside with just fabric. And you're not going to create a lot of condensation inside mm-hmm. with just fabric. But like I said, when it comes to plastic, uh, do it the right way if you're going to do it at all. But you got to make sure that when that sun comes out, even if it's below freezing, you still have to usually vent Get some air mm-hmm. up under there to vent that uh, that out and then take it off, of course, as soon as the threat of freezing weather uh, is gone. But, Veda, so many people we see do it the wrong way, especially yeah. when it comes to using plastic by itself. Mm-hmm. I was watching on our uh, the Facebook page that Jim's administrator of, and of all the reports of the temperatures, he, first they were telling how their greenhouse was put together, the, the different things that they used um, and locations and all and they were reporting, you know, it's this many degrees outside, and my insides holding. The toasty right little, in. you know, eighty degrees. Yeah. not that maybe that hot, but yeah, right. And it, I was surprised, <clears throat> like some of the, like one of the structures you would think would not be holding heat as long, held heat longer, and another structure I'm looking out thinking, oh, that'll hold heat forever, and then it, it's the one that got almost too cold. So there's such strategies of microenvironments and places where you put your stuff. Well, it's always good to know that you've got a place to protect the plants, especially plants that are in containers. Case to point is talking to a young lady from uh, work yesterday, and she moved a lot of stuff in her garage, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and her question to me was, and we'll get into whatever she said, her question was, she said, Kenny, should I go out there and water these things today? This is yesterday. Yeah. I said, now, did you water everything before you brought it in and put it in the garage? She said, Mm -hmm. yes, I did. I said, well, no, you know, because we don't have the evaporation going on. Yeah, um, right. You know, this time of year that we do in the summertime. And she said, well, the reason I'm asking, I went out there and checked on things. They still look okay. But when I stuck my finger down in the soil, it was frozen. Oh, and like, oh and, and I wanted to thaw it out. Yeah, with water I was like, it. well, no, that's not really a great thing, but because it got really cold in there. But my point is, it's still better than leaving those plants outside. Mm-hmm. You know, she had, you know, an air, some space in there. So she brought them in. She watered them, brought them in. And they're, for the most part, most of them will be perfectly fine. You know, yeah. it's, it's not uncommon to have, you know, just the top quarter inch of that soil freeze on you, whether the plants in a container mm-hmm. outside or inside. And even she had, for example, she had geraniums, okay? Yeah. That she would, she brought inside uh, and put in there. And they when, still looked okay, yeah, believe yeah. it or not. So um, it, it's good to have, whether it's a makeshift greenhouse like you're talking about, Veda, and I've seen a many of them that people mm-hmm. uh, make, whether you're covering your plants and creating your own little mini greenhouses or whether you're even at least putting them in the garage that's not heated. Right. Any of those places are better than just the extreme elements <laughs> That they have to go through just outside. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Container. Every year I hear people say, ah, I'm not going to do as many containers this year because I don't want to bring them in. But then with this, our seasons are, are very long, really. You know, I mean, you think about it, we can do it from April to November. 
basically. So you just give in, and all of a sudden, by the end of the season, you have three times as many containers as you had last year. No <laughs> doubt, and especially if you're planting like shrubs and containers. Now, if these were little annuals, she would have just left them out there, other yeah. than her uh, geraniums. But if these were just, you know, pansies and violas and, you know, ornamental grasses and whatever, she would have just left them out. Yeah. But she had shrubs in these things. So, you know, in being above ground, a container, a pot, mm-hmm. the roots in the pot are not as insulated as the roots in the ground. Yeah. So good for her for thinking ahead and bringing those things in the garage. Because like I said, they're probably going to be perfectly fine. Even though it, it got really cold, Veda. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. I think they should be too. But, um, and as they say, so if uh, we're a zone eight, a container above ground would be a zone six. Yeah. But I'm telling you. Sometimes the, when, when we get so cold, but you know, most things like the hollies and stuff like that that are in the containers, especially the larger ones, they're fine. Yeah. But the roots are not as cold hardy as everything that's above ground. Okay? I know. Isn't that good? You yeah. think it would be opposite. But, but usually the true. roots are well insulated because mm-hmm. they're typically usually in the ground. Yeah. And it's hard for freezing temperatures to penetrate downward into our soil Mm -hmm. now you have a pot that's elevated above ground level and it's easy for cold weather to penetrate through Mm -hmm. that container and that's where you get all the damage you know because you're actually harming the roots but my my sweet sister a couple years ago i told you this story if you remember she they got a gazebo in their backyard and they had a lot of tropical plants hibiscus and palms and just a lot of tropical plants around the pool and on the deck Well, they got them all together and put them inside this gazebo, Mm -hmm. okay? And then they wrapped this gazebo, which is fairly large, with plastic, real Uh thick, clear plastic, okay? And we're talking about venting a while ago, how to vent, you know, to maybe need to vent your plants if you're using plastic. Well, they didn't vent it. So about three weeks later, and the sun had been out, it was starting to warm up a little bit, um, she called me and said, could you please come up here and take a look at these plants? Well, I get over there, y'all, and inside the gazebo, it was like a rainforest. <laughs> it had created so much moisture, Veda. Oh. Mold was already starting to grow in there. It was like raining when I walked in there. <laughs> and these plants were just gooey. And I'm like, no. You had the right idea. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that they did wrong, honestly, is they just didn't have an opening, a flap that they could just open up yeah. and get some good air in there. So they had a terrarium going on, but not terrarium plants. But then it would get cold at night, and it would just heat up during the day, and it was just not good. So I've seen it firsthand what can happen if you try to do things yourself, which I thank God people Mm -hmm. do, create the little mini greenhouses, but don't have like some air circulation going on. Oh, I know. They ought to. when the Anywhere that they sell greenhouses, they should also have side notes. You really need a fan to vent. You may need a heater in the winter, but yeah, the fan is the biggest thing, the air circulation. But the big difference is, you know, if they left them in there just for two or three days, mm-hmm. everything would have been fine. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> they wanted to leave them in there for two or three months <laughs> and everything's not going to be fine. And that was the problem because they just stayed in there way too yeah. long and this thing was just encapsulated. Yeah. So no. They're just sitting in there going, my plants are all good. Yeah, but no, they're not. <laughs> what a bummer. All right. We're going to go to a break. Y'all can post questions on our Facebook Live or give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. 
I was looking at um, some of these uh, common symptoms for finding a yellow leaf on your houseplant. Yeah, you know, I wrote down houseplants question mark you? in my notes <laughs> this morning. Well, like when you're you're all working in your houseplants and you stop and you're like, "What's that yellow leaf doing there?" No, it's not a yellow leaf. And then you're like, "I swear I didn't overwater it." And then mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm a murderer." <laughs> and then you're like green thumb my mm. <laughs> yeah not happening they're like oh i'm feeling dizzy i think i'm gonna pass out <laughs> a little extreme and then they go start deleting all plant related <clears throat> posts i just don't know what i'm doing i got to delete it then i have immense guilt and lack of will to carry on and then finally you you gather yourself and go oh no big deal. Let's just let you leave. Just, just pull that even. Yeah, Everything's fine. fine. But what does that mean when you start seeing yellow leaves on now? A yellow leaf, like yeah, you said, it's just going to happen. You know, off. yeah. But it it's off. not uncommon to see yellow leaves Numerous. in general, is it, Veda? Right, right. Yeah, not uncommon in general. I mean, you're always having to prune a leaf off here or there, but it's <clears> when you have that leaf and then another. And then another. But, you know, usually just a yellow leaf. Occasionally, you don't have to worry about it. Well, I wrote down houseplants with a question mark because I know you uh, take care of a lot of houseplants, even, mm-hmm. you know, not professionally, but also at your house. Uh, what, I mean, what do we do this time of year? Do we just keep mm-hmm. on keeping on like we've yeah, always done? Yeah, that, I mean, I am having to prune a, a few more leaves off and, you know, things are falling on the ground somewhat, but it's because <clears> you're inside yeah. It's cooler. The lights are uh, unless you don't have as much light. So you're going to expect a plant that came from a fluffy outdoor, mm-hmm. nice environment. To, and when you bring it in and it takes, you know, sometimes a month for it to really start showing some of the residual of coming in. Yeah. And then even a lot of plants that stay indoors, you know, there yeah. are houseplants my wife has that they'd never moved that spot in five years. Wow. I you wish know? I could leave one thing in mm-hmm. one spot yeah. for that long. I'm just telling you. I can't. But, um, you know, like you just hit it while ago, you know, they just need decent light. Try to, mm-hmm. you know, give them as much light as you possibly can, whether that's just opening a window shade. Um, whether it's a uh, a grow light, yeah, adding a lamp, you know, yeah. anything, just so, but, but good light, and then you know, heat. When I say heat, you know, warmth. Uh, a lot of times we see people bring uh, plants inside. They put them really close to a, a window that stays really cold. Uh, they got them next to a, a vent yeah. that can be really hot. Um, so you know, if you're if you're seeing symptoms of a dieback, whether it's yellow leaves, brown leaves, a lot of dropped leaves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, check those things. And then lastly, of course, is, you know, is moisture. Mm. Uh, and that's the big deal. Uh, just like the lady at, well, yeah, I was telling you about that had plants in the garage. She watered them things a week ago, really watered them well yeah. before she brought them in. She said, do I need to water them again? And no, you know, yeah. you don't. Same thing with houseplants. Typically, you know, we water our houseplants on a cycle. We get in there mm-hmm. like every week or 10 days religiously and water your houseplants. Well, when it's cooler or when you keep your house warmer, you know, it might be a couple of days after that or a couple of days before that. Yeah. But you still can't forget about them. You want to keep your house plants moist, as always, mm-hmm. beta, but not wet. Yeah. And when I say moist, most of the house plants that my wife takes care of, she lets them actually get on the dry side mm-hmm. before she waters. Yeah. <clears throat> like, of course, we use the moisture meter. And when it, it says dry, medium, wet, yeah. and then the dry spot, there's like a, a little red band that goes over a little bit so when it hits the beginning Ah, of dry yeah yeah when it's the beginning of dry 
I'm like, okay, it could still go a day or two. Yeah. But I want to go ahead and um, water it now just because I don't want things to get bone dry. Bone dry. Now, now when you stick. How dry is bone that's dry? That's pretty dry. <laughs> you know, where did that come from? When you stick right. your moisture meter, it's got a, it's got a mm-hmm. prong yeah. on it that you stick down into the soil. Mm-hmm. And it, um, you know, it would gauge the, how much moisture is in that, in that soil. Do you go down halfway down the pot? Yeah, just about. Or do you go like in one inch of, you know, in the top surface? I go deeper <clears throat> than an inch uh, for Good. sure because the roots are deeper than just an inch down. And the top is, if you just kind of fluff the top, it is drier. But then when I push the moisture meter in mm-hmm. more, I'm like, oh, it's a good thing I didn't water that. Yes. Because it's still moist. And um, and then it's there's... People say, oh, it's a calendar method about every 10 days, but it's not true. Like we have minis that we water every single day. I come right into work, flip the lights on, and then pour the trays to fill them up so I can soak up water every day. And that's day. a mini house plant yeah. that's in a small pot. Yeah, like a two so and a half inch. Right. Yeah. And that pot, the soil in there is not going to hold moisture as long as a yeah. 10 to 12 inch right. pot. Now, <clears throat> so somebody said, how do you, if you water these every day and y'all are closed on Sunday, what happens on Sunday? Well, on Sunday, the, the big grow lights over the top are off. So it's not drawing that moisture so intensely. So it, it makes it that one day because the lights are off. They're not over it, just sucking the water well, out. Well, I'm glad. That's why I'm sitting. I'm glad you brought that up because different plants, of course, require different levels of mm-hmm. moisture. But just because you water once a week on all the houseplants that you've ever had, you go buy like a succulent, you know, maybe it doesn't need it once a week. Maybe yeah. it's every two weeks. So it really depends on the houseplant also. And you need to know mm-hmm. the the water requirements for those particular right. plants. But good light as best you can. Uh, warmth. When I say mm-hmm. warmth, just, yeah. you know, room temperature. Right. And, right. Then, and then the big one is moisture. Then a lot of people say, we could, you know, should I feed them this time of year? And the answer is really is not really. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're not actively growing when the daylight what am I trying to say? When the hours of the day are mm-hmm. this short in yeah. the wintertime, they're they're still very much right. alive, but they're not actively growing. And you don't want to encourage that. You want to just let them rest mm-hmm. during the wintertime. Yeah. Like like <clears throat> this year mine grew longer into fall because it took us a while to actually get into the fall temperature even when the light was changing. And so they grew actively through that time. But like right now, we're going to put worm castings on everything because even though it possibly is not going to really want to draw those nutrients, but when we start getting a little more light and it warms up a little bit, that plant's going to be ready, ready to eat. And the food's just going to be there. It's not waiting for me to go, oh, wait, maybe y'all are hungry now a month after. It's been light and... And uh, warm. And it all starts with the soil, too. Mm-hmm. And anytime you add a wonderful blend compost to your soil, in this case, I know you're using it as a top dressing. Yeah, you're not like repotting everything. Yeah. You're just putting a layer of castings on top of every house plant that you have. But that's building your soil back yeah, up. You're making right. your soil more alive, if you will. Yeah, I'm adding <clears throat> back to it what it's already removed and it needs it again, and if I'm not putting it there, it doesn't get it. But don't go out there and grab your water-soluble plant food. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying mm-hmm. if anything that you ever read about, they're saying you don't really need to do it this time yeah. of year. In fact, it's a little better if you don't do it because, there again, you want to let them go through that natural resting period, mm-hmm. which is our winter months. 
And then yeah. in the spring, when the days start getting a little longer, whether you leave them inside or take them outside, then it's time to start right. feeding them. Really get those things going again. Oh, you know what you can do too. Mm. Some of a lot of your house plants, you can actually take outside and put in shade containers and add other plants with them oh, too. Sure. If you if you're kind of getting tired of a plant inside or it's not looking as good, then um, do that. And then another thing, Veda, is and see, I would never go this far. But a lot of these newer, I, I, I'm going to say newer because you correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, uh, varieties of houseplants uh, that are out there, they really want distilled water also, mm. not just tap water. Yeah, now, they're getting honorary. I know, <laughs> and that's the thing because they say if you use just tap water, you can mm-hmm. actually get that little burn around the leaf, right. the edge of the leaf, where if you use distilled water, you won't. And I'm thinking, man, do I really want to start I mean, I'm we not going to do that. Been. My wife yeah. probably would. We haven't been, but and you, it's not causing problems because our water's mm-hmm. not. Well, we don't use any um, artificial fertilizer to add right. to any the salt, salt or, anything, or right. minerals. Yeah, we use natural stuff. I'm thinking, but hadn't really been a problem. No, no. Okay, well, good because I know for a fact on some of these mm-hmm. house plants they're saying. Use distilled water. Well, you know, like in Central Texas, we would definitely need to use distilled water because the salt content was kind of high in the water. We had the best water in the world yeah, around here. So that that's one of the things is why I never really focused on changing the water. And even though we'll fill the water jugs up at night before we leave. So and they th- dechlorinate. Yeah, yeah. So there's that, too. And I bet that makes a big difference also. Yeah, right. All right. Well, good. But so, because that's my point. I don't want to get a plant that I truly just have to baby and mm-hmm. use distilled water and all yeah. of that stuff. You know, to me, it's hard enough just keeping the house plant it alive. Is. Well, it's truly the overwatering would be the highest percentage of losses in plants would be overwatering. And or even maybe not overwatering, but environment like where they've got a lot of their plants pushed together, and mm. you're not getting proper <clears throat> watering because mm. you're just kind of like giving little drops and hoping it hits the pot <laughs> because you've got them so close together. So um, and even the little things you stick in there, the automatic watering little mm-hmm. things, like y'all said, move those things around from time to time. You don't want to water just one side yeah. of one pot every time you water. Right, exactly. All right, y'all. We've got two more hours to go and love every minute of it. We'll see you in a second. We'll be right back. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome back to the second hour of Mid-South Gardening with Veda from Palladio. And Kenneth from Dan West Garden Centers. And if you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. You can always go to the... Uh, Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, and shoot us a text. And we had Paul Little, good old Mr. Yeah. Paul, said good morning, Dirt Buddies. Uh, checking in this morning, uh, Sonny Epstein, she was checking in, and of course, Jan and mm-hmm. Jamie. Uh, so yeah, good morning to everyone. Uh, so either shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, or give us a call at the 260-5926 number. I wonder if Jim's any warmer in Florida now. And you know, I would have loved to know what the temperature is down there. I guess I could look real quick. So but. our good friend, co-host of the show, mm. headed south yep. to warmer temperatures. The beach is probably freezing right. down there. Not warmer. You know? I know. I know. I asked my son, I go, what do y'all do? And he goes, oh, you know, same we do every day. And I'm like, oh, we're snowed in. We can't get out. 
It's like, good for y'all. See, that's why I couldn't have a part of my family living in Florida. Because then you want to run down there. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, it's, what, 11 degrees tonight. Yeah. And then we'll just say maybe 25 tomorrow yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. But just the exactly. next two nights. And that's, you know, then we're into warm weather and rain. Mm-hmm. Then we're into Florida Florida <laughs> winter then next week. All right, this is a time of year, a lot of times when it's really cold, Veda, that, uh, you know, we've got our furry friends outside. Mm-hmm. And we've also got our feathered friends. And a lot of people uh, are big-time bird watchers and bird activists, okay? Well, one thing that you and I can do just on a simple level is kind of feed the birds in the yeah. winter. You know, they're out there. They're, they're outside, you know, mm-hmm. trying to find something to eat. But it was the craziest thing when I was uh, reading about the best foods for winter mm. for birds. Yeah. Uh, what is the one thing that you really shouldn't feed them? Shouldn't feed them. Probably something that I always want to feed them, cornbread. Or bread. Bread is it? Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, well, hang on a minute. Because we did growing up. Forever and uh-huh. a day, if there was some stale bread, you go out there and pinch it, you know, just mm-hmm. break it up and throw it in the backyard. I wanted to so bad yesterday, but, but I, was, I knew something was wrong about doing it. What What was the reason? It, I mean, I'm like, hold on. Did it, We've always <laughs> fed bread. bird bread. Yeah. But it says typically in the wintertime, especially, uh, it has it has no, it has very little nutrition value mm, to the yeah, bird makes sense so they're stuffing themselves on bread oh. they're full mm-hmm. but it has no nutritional yeah. value very little anyway right so oh so they're a, getting junk food then <laughs> yeah so in effect it's not helping them yeah but you know the things like you know black oh. oil sunflower black mm-hmm. sunflower crack corn millet yeah. thistle uh peanuts are you know big now especially for like blue jays mm-hmm. and so forth and then suet you know, all those are perfectly fine, which I yeah. get it, but it kind of blew me away that bread, out of all things, was not something that you want to feed birds well, with, wonder, especially in the wintertime. I wonder if cornmeal <clears throat> would fall under that, too. So I do it's remember bread, how fun Veda. it would be growing up. My grandmother would crumble the cornbread and throw it out, <clears throat> you know, watch the birds just for hours, just collect all of that. So I just figured it was snacks. We were giving them snacks. But, um, you know, one thing you can do, too, is, well, now we're not going to have such a problem. But I had went outside and cleared some snow and just patches in the um, grass so the birds could, you know, get past the snow into the grass and start getting some of their food from that. Well, it's just as important to have a little water out there also. And if you've mm-hmm. got a bird bath, you know, there are some bird bath warmers that will keep the water from freezing. Mm-hmm. Or you can just change it, you know, a small thing of water every day. But the food is what just blew me away. Now, of course, I knew that, you know, your typical wild bird mixes and the suets and the pecans and peanuts and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I get all that. But, man, when I saw bread, yeah. I'm like, that, that just blew me away. Because that's something that we, like you said, Veda, we've mm-hmm. always done. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to fill them up, I know. that bird's sitting there full as a tick, but has no, no value to it. Oh, I know. I did. I went, And if I had, I wanted to, because th- I didn't have bird seed, of course, and I wanted to throw something <laughs> off the side of the patio to collect the birds and watch them and all. But then I thought, well, I've heard it's not good. Uh, but I've never read to understand why, so it would be selfish for me to throw it out there just to benefit 
to see the birds all grouped. Of course together. it would. So, <laughs> so. Now, and I think now during the spring and summer, you know, there's so much more food out there mm-hmm. for them. So it's even if they get stuffed on bread, the next yeah. time they eat, they can get their seeds and insects right. or whatever. But in the wintertime, it's not as easy to come by. Mm-hmm. And bread is just an easy thing to fly down and start filling yourself right. up on. But I was like, that just blew me away, <laughs> though, that I what? never thought that. Yeah. So I could go under the myth category. <laughs> it, it most definitely can. Yeah. We can put that under the myth category. Wait, this is and this is a reason, you know, y'all may look out in your backyard right now. And where mm-hmm. where are your birds? They're they're lower on the ground. Mm-hmm. They're in the brush or are snooping around the leaves, kind of scratching them leaves around trying to get some stuff but then of course if they've got the thickets and things around them then they're more protected so they can you know run and hide under there but look just kind of watch what the wildlife's doing and that's why we're saying leave some leaf litter and Mm -hmm. some brush and things like that just for them to because Uh, i mean those are your insecticides the birds are your insecticides mm -hmm. so if you keep um, a environment for them to stay through the winter and stay healthy, then they're going to be there through the uh, the growing season also. Yeah, yeah, to continue to keep your bugs in order. But I'm telling you, man, that just that just took me by such surprise that I'm like, good lord! And then, of course, when it comes to wild bird seed, a lot of times you'll see people put a cheap brand mm-hmm. of wild bird seed in a bird feeder. And then you see the birds come in there and just start scratching, yeah. looking for the one nugget that they want. But the cheap stuff, they're just scratching. Mm-hmm. They're, they're throwing it off the off the feeder. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the next thing you know, you've got this wonderful growth mm-hmm. up under your bird feeder. That An it, early lawn. <laughs> yes. But of the seed that they've scratched off. Yeah. So I guess my whole point is, I mean, get stuff that they like. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm telling you, there's so many great feeds out there. Um I would just stay away from that the cheapest yeah. of the cheap bird seed because I'm telling you, most of them would just scratch through that and look for the stuff that mm-hmm. they want. Well, like <clears throat> folks would say, it gets it all piles up on the ground and gets smelly and all. And it's because, like you said, they're pushing most of it out. And so you do get that problem at the bottom. So just spend some more dollars, a few extra dollars to upgrade your seed. Mm-hmm. It'll go longer. You won't have the problem on the bottom. You know, with the grass coming up and the not grass. I don't know what you call when you get wild bird seed that they're kicking out and it's germ. Yeah, it's a weed, but we will call it weeds. Yeah, (laughs) but you, I mean, every one of those little seeds had the potential Mm -hmm. to germinate. Yeah, because usually you have a bird feeder in a lawn or in a bed. Right. Well, my wife's got hers in a bed, Mm -hmm. and I don't want a bunch of wild bird seed coming (laughs) up in this bed. that the birds don't like anyway. Then so. it'll come up through the shrubs and be tall. <laughs> no telling what would come up. So use, uh, take a minute, guys, and get a little better grade than maybe, you know, the cheapest of the cheap. And I'm not, and look, there is a bird out there. I'd rather have any kind of bird seed out there than no bird seed at all. But I'm just saying there is, there are different degrees of bird seed that are available. Let yep. me put it that way. Who knew? But it's true. All right, we're going to run to a break. You can give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Yep, and you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, like Jan did this morning. She said, I pour the grease from the hamburgers. 
into a bowl. Let it uh-huh. cool to a soft congeal. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Stir in bird seed and then pour that mixture uh, to a halfway. What am I reading here? Then pour that mixture to halfway fill mm-hmm. a Dixie cup. Okay, and freeze. I got it. So she gets the grease from a hamburger, mm-hmm. the leftover grease from cooking hamburgers, and then adds bird seed to that, and then pours that into a Dixie cup, yeah. and then freezes it. So she's making her own suet, um, and then pop it out and cut off the uh, cut off the cup and put up the bird seed popsicle in a bird feeder. That is mm-hmm. so cool. So she's yeah. making her own suet then. Right. That sounds good because yeah. they need some of that. That oil in their diet also. Well, it's like suet, you know? You <laughs> yeah. buy suet, that's all it is. It's just lard, lard. you Ugh. know, with bird seed. So that's pretty cool, Jen. Yeah. She makes her own. That is fun. And then, of course, there's the seeds and the pine combs and the peanut butter and all of that. Roll think, that up. But a lot of people do make their own, though. Mm-hmm. It's fun and easy. I like the I like that idea what Jan said because that way you can recycle your grease too. Because <laughs> where is it going to go? Because <laughs> you don't want to pour it down the sink, right? You know, right? So well. that's funny. Uh, Veda, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Do you have arborvitas around the house? One. All right. When you get heavy snow on it, what do you do? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I wrote down here arborvitas starting to lean. Yeah. Um, you can just I take a broom and just try to brush it off. You know, just to l- lighten the load. That's a yes and a no. You're exactly mm-hmm. right. You can get a broom if you have fluffy snow mm-hmm. on evergreens like junipers and arbovitas, in this yeah. case, arbovitas, and you can brush the snow, the fluffy snow off. And they say when you brush it, always brush upwards. Don't mm-hmm. brush downwards yeah. and beat this thing to death. <laughs> but that's only if you have fluffy snow. Yeah. Now, if you've got fluffy snow with like ice caps mm-hmm. on the top of it, yeah. They said the best thing to do is leave yeah. it alone because you would start oh breaking the tissue. They did, you're yeah. so right. And so a lot okay. of people you see go out there and just you know with a hammer, <laughs> <laughs> a bat, and start beating the stuff off their arborvitaes oh, no. because they're trying to get this weight off. Well, like I said, fluffy snow, uh-huh. get a broom and just brush upwards. You can get it yeah. off of there. It comes right off. Heavy, wet snow or snow that's been frozen on the mm-hmm. top, leave it alone, guys. You're doing more harm than you are good. And then any evergreen, including arborvitaes, that have actually been bent mm-hmm. or, or, you know, they're leaning yeah. the whole thing because of the weight, <laughs> then they're saying you might have to go out there and stake it, okay? Yeah, yeah. But everything that I read, Veda... If you stake it up or whether you tie it up, whatever. They say do it for really six months for that mm-hmm. whole growing season. And I'm thinking, well, I kind of get that because you also want the roots to become anchored. Yeah, true. You know, because any time a plant is leaning, in the space if it's leaning mm-hmm. a good bit, you are you have affected that root system also. Right. So you need that other side to get anchored. Right. Yeah. So if you've got arbovitis, not, man, I hear people do this all mm-hmm. the time. That's got a lot of snow uh, on it. Like I said, if it's just fluffy snow, brush it off gently. Just you know, fluff it yeah. off of there. But if it's ice on there and and, and snow, ice on top of snow, mm-hmm. uh, like just it is around it, my house, yeah. just let it naturally come off of there. And if your arborvitae happens to be leaning, you can always stake it up or tie it up. But you want to leave that thing staked up or tied up for at least six months, which is going to be the growing season, the whole yeah, growing season. Right. In fact, some of the articles I read said leave it up for the whole year. Mm-hmm. 
But I always mm. think, you know, that happens so many yeah. times, depending on the type of, of precipitation we get around here. Now, like I said, we're probably not done with winter yet. Yeah. You know, we haven't yeah. had our frozen rain event yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's you know, that. <laughs> which is, you know, to me, more damaging mm-hmm. to soft, tall evergreens than just snow. Man. That's right. We might still have some more of something, something happening. And, and of course, we might not. But I'm just saying, guys, on arborvitas and, and junipers and spruce and those kind of things, especially if they're young mm-hmm. and they're tender. Yeah. Um, best thing to do most of the time is just leave the thing alone. Don't right. try to help it out. That's good. Yeah, that's good to know because a lot of times when things are bending over, we're not realizing that it loosened the roots on that side, too. So, yeah, about six months. Okay, and I would shoot. I would do root stimulator too. Oh yeah, you up. would super thrive yeah. root stimulator, seaweed, any of those right. things to stimulate good root growth. Do it mm-hmm. every two weeks. Yeah, and you know, and we have seen some of these, especially on these taller, thinner, um, newer arborvitas. How they would just lean mm-hmm. over, and, and then in the summer they'll dehydrate on that backside because the roots haven't established. If you're not staking it and, and getting it secure, because they'll keep ripping, trying to, because they'll be so little, they'll keep ripping out as the uh, tree moves back and forth naturally. And, and the whole thing with knocking the snow off, like I said, if it's powdery, fluffy snow, knock it off, because you're just getting the weight off the limbs, because you don't want the limbs to break, of course. But um, I was like, you know, because the first thing, I mean, because I'm the same way. When I see that happening, the first thing yeah. I want to do is go out there and get all that weight off yeah. of them. Uh, and so that's a yes and no, depending on whether it's snow or whether it's icy snow. Right. A lot of times, like I said, they do, we do more harm than good <laughs> trying to do the right we thing. We do, we do. And then when you were talking about that, that was making me think of if you have a water garden, don't go out there and start beating on the ice trying to to put holes in it because if you have... <clears throat> fish in there it's bad for their eardrums is it really yeah yeah it's too loud for them have you asked one i did he was just looking at me and i was reading its lips and it said stop please so don't go out there with the hammer there again and start beating holes in the ice right then i don't know why you would anyway i know well because you're not really feeding them this time of year are you right no you know, you do need to, like, let the gases out of the water. Eventually. Yeah, water yeah. Water doesn't talk about stay frozen, though, forever. Right, right. So, but if it was, like, days, then we're supposed to kind of get pre-prepared, have uh, twigs or something sticking up out so it doesn't become a solid sheet of ice. Is there anything else for people that have koi ponds that, or any kind of pond, mm-hmm. or any kind of little water feature I guess with the water feature, most of them have unplugged the pump by now. Yeah, probably so. Because the yeah. water is, you know, I've seen these fountains where they oh, keep yeah. them going. And it's just, you know, a block of ice. Oh, man. We had a, the, the day, the Saturday when um, right before it was fixing to do all this, someone had called and had not had their fountain winterized. Mm. And <clears throat> he was like, please, you got to Y'all got to get out here and do this. And I guess yeah. one of the things pertaining to that is draining the water mm-hmm. out and cutting off the pump right right yeah and then you cover it so if it does rain more then it's covered and we pull the cover tight so the rain slides off it doesn't collect on the cover and then collect in the bowl and let's say go ahead it's someone had done that to their own 
and the water collected in the plastic in the bowl and with all that ice and everything we had last year it pulled the whole fountain over oh i got you yeah so it just had weight created on one side (laughs) the whole thing toppled over Mm -hmm. but i have seen even yesterday i saw a big fountain uh where they had left the water in there left the pump going uh, and it froze solid like that and i guess the only drawback with that is concrete expands it can Mm -hmm. crack concrete yeah. Water expands, I'm sorry, when it freezes, and it can crack concrete. So that's one. Two is, if you still have the power to the pump, the pump's trying to run. Yeah. But yeah. it can't pump frozen water. So yeah, I guess you could burn mm-hmm. a pump right. out yeah. that way. Definitely, definitely. Just <laughs> causing more wear and tear on everything. Uh, you know, you may get away with it for three or four years of of it going through all kinds of bad things. But then it's that one time because it's slowly going through wear and tear. Now, fountains that have lots of water in it, a lot well, of That are times, not going to completely freeze. Yeah, then, you know, you can keep it running like that. But I think everything completely froze this and year. And that's that's kind of the maintenance on these fountains, these beautiful mm-hmm. fountains. But now, I mentioned a while ago, what about like a koi pond or just a pond? Oh, yeah. And is that yeah. just, like you said, really nothing? I mean, fish can survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if yeah, that thing freezes can. over. Yeah, you know, and koi, I think they're probably... And Jim would know this for sure, maybe a little more susceptible to the, the freezing temperatures, the, the way they are. But regular, just your regular fish, regular pond, I mean, they can still find deeper yeah. you know, water to stay warm and all. Well, but even a koi pond supposed to be so many feet deep. Like, I think it's, I think they said for here in the Memphis area, it needed at least be 18 inches. Okay. And I, and I think Jim yeah. has said he's even seen goldfish and kois just in frozen water yeah, and when it thaws yeah. they're fine so right. yeah so there's no big deal with the the, the water feature as far as mm-hmm. ponds but it yeah. is pretty you need to have in your head that there are some maintenance things mm-hmm. uh and precautionary things that we can do to water features yeah. when it comes to fountains veda right right no because the water feature does it needs something done to it i would kind of like four times a year which isn't a lot really but after we get past this weather, then we open the fountains up, take the covers off. Um, Make sure everything's level. Yeah, yeah. Cause no you know, debris you in the that, filter of the pump. Right, because you can get that winter sagging sometimes. of the It could of unlevel the itself mm-hmm. that way, yeah. But, but when we're installing fountains... We just make sure we won't put it just on dirt. You've got to put a concrete pad in or we'll put in a gravel, a real mm-hmm. thick gravel pad. Because, you know, if you're just putting it straight up on dirt, mm-hmm. it's going to unlevel. It's going to shift. It's going to move. Yeah. It's going to thaw. Yeah. It's going to freeze. It's going to sink. <laughs> right. We've had, we had one that was actually they kept building their flower bed up around the fountain. And this has happened a lot <laughs> where you go in, you just kind of look at it and you go, okay, they want us to remove this one, put another one in. Yeah. And then you realize that when you get there and it just doesn't come straight out, it's like buried four feet down because they just kept Keep adding soil lids. and yeah. mulch and everything else to the bed that right. the fountain's in. Right, right. Or you'll go out to, to clean a boulder fountain that like... You no, know, hold the, on. What's a boulder fountain? Boulder fountain is kind of like the, uh, you call it the waterless fountains where they're, they're, there's a hole in the ground. And it could be with a liner or a big black tub. Okay. And then you've got your your pump in that. And then on that hole, you've covered it with like a mesh netting. Right. And you've got your pump hose running up through that mesh netting, and it's connecting to a big boulder. 
Okay, so it looks like the boulder. Now, does it have a hole in the yeah. in the oh, the boulders wow. have holes? So, so it bubbles up and then flows over, and then you put really pretty decorative rock in there. I so got it, it just looks like it's kind of bubbling out of the ground. Well, it was sitting. They had the, one of them in the flower bed that was um, raised next to a garage. And so you go out and look at it. He just, we're going to pull the boulder out and everything mm. and, and clean it up. But there's like a leak in it. So, of course, you've got to find the leak and all. Well, uh, yeah. you didn't know that it only needs to be like 12 inches deep, but this was four feet deep. Oh, God. It's always surprising. All right, y'all, we'll be right back. We've got so much more to go. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can be with us today. And it is January, in case y'all didn't notice, about 65 days till spring Mm -hmm. or something like that, Um, which means I'm not trying to hurry us along, but we do need to like enjoy each day before we have spring. We don't want to wish our life away. (laughs) True. You know, and but I know we get that spring fever, but thank goodness that our winters still ease up, that we can go outside and work. You know, I couldn't live up north. I just couldn't do it. You I know, was trying to figure that out this week. I mean, I love a nice snow. When it snows, mm-hmm. remember about a week ago, it was, it, I mean, it was great. Yeah. Um, but then with these freezing temperatures that we've had, Veda, I mean, it was four or five days that we didn't get above freezing. And it's like, you know, it just sticks around too long right. then for me. <laughs> uh, and it's a little dangerous. You know, the side streets are still slick as everything, but... I don't mind a great heavy snow, and then a couple of days, it's out of here. Yeah. You know, yep. everything. You don't even know it did snow. Well, I spent time, let's see, I uh, I uh, redrew the courtyard at the garden center. Okay. Well, re-sketched it, and I'm not so much drawing. Trying to, you know, we're going to move this here, put there, build that there. And then I went and looked at all, compared like all of our vendors that we buy for us. Yeah. You know, for shrub, trees and shrubs. Sure. Because, you know, there's like Greenleaf, Oklahoma, Texas, oh, yeah. uh, North Carolina, you know, and then there's Monrovia, uh, Oregon. Oregon, Connecticut, yeah. you know, so you kind of compare all of those. And that takes a lot of, of work because some things are cheaper coming from the north. Some things are cheaper coming from the south. Right. Seasonally, you know, like you're not going to get an Oregon truck in the summer. You know, usually, but Oregon is a good time to get stuff in in the winter. You know, the late winter and stuff like this. That's when you get your Alberta spruce and those kind of things coming in, usually from Oregon, right? Japanese maple, things like that. So then you're picking all that, and then it's all the color, all the flowers. Mm -hmm. So going through lists and lists of flowers, all the vendors. Yeah, what what colors do they want? What what colors should we order? What's the color of the year? Well, it's peach and chartreuse. Do I get lots of peach? Does anybody even know peach is the color? Exactly. You know? <laughs> but it makes you think ahead. So, you know, yeah, I've I mean, got pages laid out all across the house. Uh, but you know? like I said, I mean, we're not there yet. We're still in the winter mode. Yeah. You know, and this is a good time of year, though, Vader, and you've talked about this for years and years, is to get all your tools together, uh, get them cleaned up, Uh, maybe go ahead and get the blade sharpened on them. Mm -hmm. Get a little WD-40 out and get them greased up also, cleaned up, sharpened. Even your lawnmower blades, you know, this is a great time of year to either replace them 
uh, or get them sharpened. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we use our tools, yeah. you know, and, and you need good tools. Right. Go out and even maybe purchase tools. Yeah, if you, absolutely. Yeah, now just to be ready. Because I'm telling you two things. Um, because, you know, tools, you're only as good as your tools, as they say. Exactly. You know, but as... As you do more gardening projects or get older, you need more types of tools and different types of tools. To make the job easier. Yeah. And it really works making the job easier. Like, I cannot understand. I cannot understand. There's these pruners that I love. I've been talking about them forever. I'm raising my hand over here. Yeah. The ratchet pruners by, I think it's Ironwood. I first found them at the Agri Center when the Master Spring Fling was going on. They had had a, a company there. And the ratchet pruners are lightweight and so durable, but I can prune 100% more than I could prune before. Because they do a little bit at a time. They go click, 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 yeah. click, 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 yeah. and they, they cut a little bit at a time mm-hmm. until they get whatever limb you're cutting yeah. cut. And, it, and it's not hard to do that where I take a regular pair of pruners absolutely. Two hands and your foot trying to yeah. put the pressure yeah. on there to cut the thing. And, yeah. it's, and I'm still, it's still <clears throat> not working. So y'all, if you're if you're thinking like oh i love gardening but this is pruning where's my hands out get the ratchet pruners yeah. just bottom line and then the other one that you really should have is a hoi hoi knife yeah i mean don't go they have something similar at the box stores and so i'm like okay you know knife uh, knife uh. knife even though i know a knife's not a knife so i get one from the box store and then i get the hoary hoary knife so you can see the difference there. and there's a huge tremendous amount of difference it yeah. was so easy using that hoary hoary knife versus using just the regular box store but you're right Veda. people need their tools and you know and you know somebody might need a electric head shear somebody might not yeah but the tools that you do have though and don't do like I've done before. I said I'm raised my hand while I go about hand pruners. I mean, I've actually had used hand pruners <laughs> that were duller than a. Same. I mean, I might as well have just gotten the limb and br- <laughs> just with my hand and, and snapped it. You're holding it and you're yeah, ripping it. Yeah, but I'm like, you know, it. but you go get a, a pair of pruners, a brand new pair that's got a very sharp blade. Yeah. And how easy it makes your life when you're pruning. But. Even old pruners, either a lot of times you can either replace the blade or you can at least get them sharpened. Yeah. But it makes a huge difference. Talking about the lawnmower a while ago. <laughs> you know, most people never think about sharpening no. their lawnmower blade. They just yeah. don't, Veda. And when you eventually it will, it will become dull enough to where you're just beating your grass tips off. Yeah. You're not cutting right. it, just you're just ripped. beating them, yeah. you're ripping them. And it makes it for, it's not a good, clean look. You get no. the little brown, jagged mm-hmm. edge. It's more prone yeah. to disease. Exactly. You yeah, know, you just, you just bottom line, opened your whole lawn up for more disease And issues. then how many times have you opened the toolbox, you reach in there and get your tool, or your gardener's satchel, whatever you, mm. you're keeping your tools in, and it's so rusted, you can't close it or open <laughs> it, you know? And that's where, you know, a little steel wool, a little WD-40 comes into play. Just get them cleaned up. Yeah. I'm not saying you got to just, you know, dip them in grease, but that you don't want a lot of rust on these things either. Yeah. You know, yeah. so this is the time of year. I'm not saying you got to run out there today when it's below freezing, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. this is the time of year. You're talking about being prepared while ago, yeah. Vader, with all the vendors. Be prepared with your tools also, because those, yeah. are, those are the things that make your life easier. Yeah, it's true. And the trowels. Like, (laughs) 
They're, some of them are decorative. I don't think they're useful. I mean, they've got they a butterfly and a hummingbird yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah, they, they look just, good. They bend in half when you're trying to dig something out of the ground. They're never wide enough when you're getting the the cheaper ones, and they break in the middle of a major project. Oh yeah, and uh, you usually throw them away after a year. So you just waste a lot of time and energy and not fun gardening because of your trowel. I mean, there's a transplanter and there's a trowel, okay? Yeah, One yeah. has a wider blade than the other. Mm-hmm. And for little delicate things that you're digging through, the thinner blade or the, you know, the shorter, thinner blade, I guess, yeah. in width is fine because they're easy to work with. Right. And then the yeah. wider blade, sometimes you need that wider mm-hmm. blade because you're digging a bigger hole or you're trying to do a trench or yeah, something. Yeah, And they come in into play. But there's so many in-betweens also. There is. Well, see, that makes me think I meant to say this. There was actually three tools. The trach. Yes. I know y'all do the trach. Which is the a, trowel a cross and a, ex- yeah. and a rake. Yeah. You know, it's got the little pronged rake mm-hmm. end on one side. Yeah. The, uh, the trowel end on the other. It's stainless steel. Uh life guaranteed and really you can actually dig a cave with that thing you you can a landscape guys always would choose that out of my trailer i bought that for me and the soil scoop remember those oh the soil scoop yeah Yeah. and then you know the different hoi hoi knives you're talking about and and good rakes out there whether it's a garden rake or a leaf rake and Mm -hmm. so many different pruners and loppers but I'm telling you guys, it, it, I mean, find what you like. Oh, you know what new tools I bought this year? Waiting for them to get here. Terrarium tools. Ah, the because, small little yeah, spoon, like, the fork. Yeah, you know. they're like the long tweezers. Yeah. Um, looks like a little straight blade hoe. Yeah, I've seen them. You know, a little um, uh, brush to clean the glass off on the inside and all of that. Um, so I'm going to play with that, but I want to find a vendor that's got some really cool looking ones. And even it makes me think about, remember Jim Crowder, Mm. our co-host who's not here this morning, brought in this, the set of tools that he had like wrapped in cloth Mm -hmm. and those were his bonsai tools. And I'm like, hang on a minute, Mm -hmm. you know? Because every one of those different angled pruners and, and there was quite a few had a different function. Right. But I was like, that would make, if you're doing that, mm-hmm. it would make your life easier than me yeah. going out there with a pair of just hand pruners and trying to snip oh, these word. things. Couldn't That's do true. it. That's true. That's true. And then the, the special wiring that goes with it. So my thought was, those, I mean, that, imagine if you were doing bonsais and planting terrariums. Yeah. That would be long-term indoor gardening but you need all the time. Specialty tools for right, that, right? And that's fun. Absolutely, you know, maybe, it is. Maybe you can't. See, I'm always in a panic that one day I'm not going to be able to work outside a lot, you know, and just panicking, thinking, what if that happens when I I can't go outside and work and smell the soil and find my favorite tools and all that? But if you do the terrariums and the bonsais and houseplants stuff like that. I'm really realizing you've got a whole gardening scene going on there. You get to pick pots and tools and soils and cloths, <laughs> you know, to keep your table clean. <laughs> Jim Crowder down in Florida yeah. somewhere said, good morning, dirt buddies. Good morning <laughs> to you, Jim. He said, what are y'all doing? You're killing your tool cells. <laughs> <laughs>
All we're saying, Jim, is if you have tools, take care of the things. If you don't, throw them away and go get some new ones. Right, Ones right. that are going to work for you. Jim. So Jim's killing me. We were hoping to hear from you out there, Jim. Let me see. Jim's listening. Myth, myth. Jim, coffee grounds. I'm going to say coffee grounds are good, Jim. Yes. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll be texting, blowing up your phone, too. <laughs> no, we've come to terms on that one, haven't we? But, I mean, well, we won't go into detail on that since he's not here to defend. That's right. But, Jim, good morning to you, buddy. We appreciate you checking in on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, he's down there in the life of luxury as we speak, on the beach somewhere. Oh, what is I'm going to look up the temperature. Oh, it's time to go for a break. Jim, give us a call. <laughs> 901. <laughs> In case you don't remember. 260-5926. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Okay, you know another thing, though, we always talk about tools, but think about this stuff. You should be collecting your twine, your stretchy ties, your uh, or the stretchy tape, um, peony cages, you know, um, the uh, stakes and things mm-hmm. like that that you use to stake up perennials that are falling over. Mm-hmm. Um collect pots you know there's a lot of stuff that you could go ahead and and restock your shed or your your toolbox or whatever with all those things that you carry around your gloves and your uh tire uppers what Mm -hmm. are those called (laughs) tire uppers you know there's all kinds that you can use but all those little things that you need well the secondary things like you said i mean we've got our lawnmowers and the weed eaters and the hedge clippers you know that you but th- there's all these secondary stuff. Yeah, But yeah. it was funny when Jim said, you know, <laughs> he said, what are y'all saying? You're killing your tool cells. Let them rust. <laughs> but yeah. it is true. I mean, they uh, they only last so long. I mean, nothing lasts forever. And it's good to have – the only thing we mean is it's good to have good tools around you. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. It makes your job so much easier. I promise you it does. I mean, how many times have you gone to – or know a friend or know a neighbor that's got some great tools? And you're like <laughs> – yeah. Man. Can I borrow those? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and how many times you hear, well, they never brought them back. I've never seen you prune before. Can I just have them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Veda, you're killing me. Uh, I was looking at trugs, too. There was a copper trug. Oh, uh, well, hold on. I know, you know, the, the little <laughs> baskets that carry your flowers or your fruit oh, or your yes, yeah. that's the. There was one that was a copper one, and I'm thinking, that sure would look pretty. But I mean, you, it would still do the job, yeah, but you're going to be looking, you're going to look. I got to look good while Yeah, I'm doing you're going to look great. Yeah, with my copper watering can. Got to be styling. Oh, God. Uh, I've got some limelight hydrangeas in my backyard, as you know. And uh, against a wooden fence. And there's, I think, two of them back there. I've got like three crate myrtles in the center. And then these are on the, you know, on the ends. Um, and the reason I love the limelights is because they get a little taller than the little lime and the bobos. Mm-hmm. And they have that beautiful white bloom for a good time during the summer. And then remember a couple of two or three weeks ago, I was asking y'all, should I go ahead and just snip my bl- yeah. uh, brown blooms off of my limelight hydrangeas and it comes down to well it's a personal choice you Mm -hmm. don't have to do it and you surely can do it well i was looking at them the other day through the kitchen window and it's like i had like eight pounds of snow stuck on top of every one of these (laughs) brown blooms where the white blooms used to be 
And it is kind of bending those limbs mm. over. Oh. You know? Yeah. So this is one of those cases, Veda, where I was just going to leave them on there. It didn't mm-hmm. bother me. In fact, it had a little winter interest, if you will. Yeah. But with the snow typically just bending these things over, even though I'm going to go out there this spring and cut them back anyway. Yeah. I really don't want there again any limbs breaking. Mm, so yeah. I might sneak out there even yeah. today with a pair of rusty hand pruners, uh-huh. <laughs> dull blade, right. and go ahead and cut those <laughs> blooms off, you know, yeah. there again, because I just don't want broken limbs. Yeah. I don't mind if they're bent over, because I'm going to cut them back you anyway. You just want to prune. You just want to prune. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, uh, there again, it's not going to affect it yeah. to me one way or the other. Uh, but I don't want splits and cracks. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Where you can just get yeah, a split in there. So yeah. I'm going to take another look at it when I get home today. And if they're still bent over uh, because of that excessive weight from the snow and or ice, uh, I'm going to do a little. I'm not going to prune them. Yeah. I'm just going to deadhead them. So that's all I'm going to do. Kind of like the the winter pruning. You know, it's when winter pruning is called that because you're not for real doing all that pruning, no. but you're you're doing things that are going to help with the future of the plant yeah i'm just, like, I'm which, just gonna yeah. deadhead now mm-hmm. if they're kind of back up and, and and a good bit of that snow and or ice or that mix that mm-hmm. was on top of those brown blooms is, is gone yeah then i'll i'll leave them alone uh and do all my pruning you know this spring but i'm telling you man i was looking out that window yesterday i'm like hmm <laughs> the only reason that snow collected on there is because I left those brown blooms yeah. on there. And that's the only place that it collected on there because they're deciduous. They have no other foliage on them. Well, maybe if you cut the blooms off, can you just kind of leave them in the bed, kind of to the back, in case there were some beneficial critters in the blooms? I would because, I mean, first got to put boots on to get back there with all the snow yeah. that's still on the ground. Right. And then I'm going to let them just hit the ground. I'm not going to really rake them up Mm -hmm. you know now eventually i might go out there and do it but no i'm gonna go out there and i'm just trying to alleviate the weights all i'm trying to do (laughs) we're not doing any long-term gardening Uh, no not yet in the 17 degree weather so i think i'd just leave them there veda and just uh but i'm gonna take another look at that and just uh i I just want people to understand and and know that it's not going to hurt to deadhead right you know i'm not going to go out there and cut them back like i'm pruning like you said Mm -hmm. in the in the springtime veda but i it's, it's okay to deadhead and normally, I wouldn't even be thinking about this. I wouldn't even bring this up uh, unless this event happened. Yeah. Uh, and other people might be you know, having the same thing happen. I don't mind cut limbs, but I don't like broken limbs, and I don't like split limbs. Yeah, because that is going <clears> to <throat> cause issues later on. So um, when do y'all get your—you still get bare root roses in, right? And y'all pot them up? Oh, yeah. Because I'm thinking I'm going to do just the— uh, <clears throat> David Austin roses, like from Antique Rose Emporium, and get them in and pot them up because I really don't find vendors that you can just buy those from at the right time. It's gotten so hard, uh, depending on the roses that mm-hmm. you're trying to get. In this case, David Austin roses, which are um, they're modern antique European yeah. roses, and the the people get David Austin roses because of the beautiful carnation like blooms yeah. on them and the fragrance mm-hmm. is is unheard of. Um, Veda, and they're beautiful. I mean, different colors. So I'm with you. But uh, usually it's in February, you yeah. know, and then usually by, depending on the weather, by early March uh, or, you know, first or second week in March for sure, you know, they're ready to go. They're available, ready to I go. I just love that time when we start potting roses. You just feel a little twinkle of spring happening. Yeah. And, and David Austin's are, you know, a lot of people, 
you know, they hear the word English rose, and they're like, mm-hmm. well, our climate's not the same as, you know, in England. Yeah. Um, of course, no, but they're mm-hmm. easy to grow. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some things, you know, that can be a little tricky trying to get mm-hmm. to grow around here. Now, I mean, there's some things from Memphis that'd be tricky to grow in England, yeah. okay? But David uh, Austin roses are easy. They, they really are. And the biggest thing with roses is, you know, more sun than shade. A lot of people put roses where they just don't quite get enough yeah, sun. Right. They'll still grow and they'll still bloom, but they'll never be as prolific as they could. Right. And, well, during my gardening adventures in Texas, which was spent was like about, <clears throat> I think, 10 years. And, were you there uh, that long, Veda? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, and um, the, uh, maybe not, but the... Um, Antique Rose Emporium mm-hmm. was very close to us because we were in Bryan College Station. And, of course, as all gardeners, we'd have to get together and go to the Antique Rose Emporium. And that's where I learned about all the David Austins. And uh, they did great in the Central Texas area, which is was really, in a way, similar in the soil to ours. And then the mm-hmm. heat was definitely intense. Oh, sure. But it, where we were, like in Bryan College Station, we didn't have the humidity. But then, like in the Dallas area, there was, and that was a real, real similar to Memphis. But the David Austins always did great there. And then we brought them, started using them up here in in Memphis, and they've always done well. And like I said, for those two reasons, because of the, I mean, look it up, because of the bloom itself. I mean, the beauty of the bloom. And that fragrance. That's what you can't get around, I'm I telling you. I was so in spring right there. I wasn't even realizing oh, we had a break. <laughs> I was smelling the roses. I was. All right, y'all, we've got another hour. Can't wait to do that with you. 260-5926. <laughs> The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your host, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to the third hour of the Mid-South Gardening Show. Yes, ma'am. I'm Veda with Palladio. With Palladio there on Central, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Center right there on Poplar Avenue. we got another one on Highway 64, but I'm usually right there at Poplar Mm -hmm. Avenue, Veda. Uh, And our good friend and co-host of the show, Mr. Jim Crowder. Yeah. Not here this morning. He's uh, down south, freezing. He said it was, what, in the 20s? Yes. On the coast. What in the world? God, <laughs> he'll be gone. Uh, he will be gone. He is gone today, yeah. and he'll be gone next uh, weekend also. Right, right. So, Jim, we miss you, buddy. All right. So, if you want to give us a call this yeah, morning, 901 260 you can go to the Mighty 990 on the Facebook page and you can post your question there. We always are with you by way of podcast. You can listen to our podcast. We've got plenty going on. You can get all kinds of gardening information that way and of course the facebook page mid-south gardening usda zone six seven and eight yeah and the gym's the administrator of that mm-hmm. and there's a man there's some really good pictures on there yeah. a lot of great questions um so yeah they did yeah. a lot of different ways to uh, attain information mm-hmm. and real quick i know i've been beating this horse to death but i want people to know that when mm-hmm. we had uh jamie childers in here last weekend with us uh, he's, a, of course, a master gardener. And one of the things going on uh, was this six-part gardening speech series uh, at the Bartlett Public Library, right? Uh, it started actually last Saturday. The first one they had was Garden Myths with Tom Raymond, which I think would be awesome. <laughs> 
Uh, today, January the 20th, is uh, Native Pollinators Beta with uh, Susan McKnight. Uh, next weekend, uh, The Art of Espalier with Tom Raymond. Uh, February the 3rd, Curb Appeal, uh, Kim Hayek. Uh, February the 10th is going to be uh, Maintaining a Flower Bed with David Fuchs. And then lastly, February the 17th, Backyard Chickens, which I think would be awesome. Uh, and those are the six-part series of Garden Talks uh, or events by the Bartlett City Beautiful. So ch- check those out, guys. And this is at the Public uh, Library in Bartlett at 5884 Stage Road. So uh, those are some really great topics, and everybody needs to attend right. to that. You know, and also y'all can look at uh, local garden centers like their Instagrams, uh, their websites, or their Facebook pages, because all the local garden centers are, are kind of keeping you up to date on what's happening each week in the garden center, and plus ways to get information and things like that. Like I do uh, videos that go out once or twice a week. Are you still doing them? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I just, didn't know that. Okay. Kind of just throwing out there what's happening in the industry for this week or what we have in and uh, information on things. And, and I know other independent garden centers do things like that too. So if you're looking for information, um, inspirational pictures, stuff like that, then go check out. I mean, because we have a lot of garden centers in the Mid-South. You know, there's... there's uh, the Poplar Point, Dan West, Dabney's, Diggers, Millstone, Urban Earth, Palladio. Oh, yeah. Midtown. Uh, Midtown. Yeah. So there's there's lots of places Dabney's, that you can go. Yeah. yeah. Um, all different areas. Site one. And, you know, I see people that hitting every garden center on a Saturday almost because everyone has something unique and fun to it. No doubt about it. And that's, you know, but knowledge is the key. And there's so mm-hmm. many different ways to obtain that knowledge, Veda. Um, you know, whether you become a Memphis Area Master Gardener, yeah. uh, that's one way. Well, go to their site <clears throat> also. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? All right. One of the things that uh, people, we've been talking about some of the things, the winter things this morning, mm-hmm. you know, what to do and what not to do. Another thing that I would, you know, I was just thinking about it last night. Uh, so many people have snow and ice on their walkways, yeah. whether it's their driveway, their walkway, whatever, even their porches. And you see a lot of people ha- have to at least walk outside to take their pets outside. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you want to do is slip and fall, right? So we know there's so many different things that we can acquire to melt ice mm-hmm. and snow, right? Right. Uh, and I was just reading about some of those last night. The one that a lot of people use that I think we shouldn't use, Veda. It's just old-fashioned mm-hmm. rock salt. Yeah, uh, Rock salt will melt the snow and ice, uh, but it can do a, uh, a lot of damage to your concrete, okay? Especially if it's new. In fact, mm-hmm. you shouldn't put any kind of anything on concrete less, if it's less than a year old, period. Okay. So year, if, if you just had your concrete poured this year. Don't use anything mm-hmm. other wow, than a broom that. or a rake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't put anything on it. But uh, rock salt, out of all of them, it appears from what I was reading, uh, can do more damage to concrete than all the other ones can. Uh, But then they're saying use one called calcium magnesium acetate. Hmm. Uh, That's what I think even the airports use. Yeah. Uh, And then there's a sodium acetate. Uh, and then even urea, you know, which mm-hmm. is a pure nitrogen product right. that people sprinkle out. If you use something like urea, you just want to make sure that 
you don't overdo it. Right, right. Because don't you think it might leach into the soil, uh, burn the plants? Exactly right, Veda. Okay, yeah. And then on any of them, I think, whether it's the, uh, the ones that have uh, the magnesium or the sodium in it, uh, or the ice melt products like Zero Ice, for example. Mm-hmm. I think it's got all three in there, yeah. which is a really good one. Uh, on any of them, when you sprinkle it out there, it's going to start immediately melting that ice and snow. But ideally, go ahead and get a broom and go ahead and start sweeping and brushing mm-hmm. that stuff off. So then refreeze. Exactly, Veda, <laughs> as it's doing it. Because if you don't do that, mm-hmm. it's going to just refreeze. Right. Uh, and, you know, beet juice. I know they mm-hmm. use beet juice on the roads and things like that. It surprisingly works. I wonder mm-hmm. if you can buy it, beet juice. For, yeah, they were. I was reading about beet juice yeah. last night. I don't know where you can find it. I know you can mm-hmm. probably order it. Uh, because, you know, somebody's going to look at you kind of sideways yeah. if you say, oh, go, go get some beet juice. <laughs> but Veda, it does. But mm-hmm. uh, but mostly people are using these granulated de-icers. But I just wanted to bring up the fact that uh, rock salt, which I know people have used forever, and I'm not, and it does, it works. Don't get me wrong. But it can do, out of all of them, it can do, uh, it seems like more damage to your concrete than all the other ones that I read about. So I think that's just stuff that's good to know. Rock salt. I wouldn't have thought about that at all. Yeah. I mean, who would have? <sighs> well, I'm glad we don't have to deal with the salt and stuff getting on our cars and damaging and rusting through our cars. Well, that was like another the, thing that they said. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is salt. It's kind of like when you go down to the beach in your vehicle, you need to wash that thing in the undercarriage when you get back or before you get back because yeah. salt is very corrosive. See, isn't um, that crazy how we can put lots of salt on our food? And be well, okay. That's, that's not good. Well, not. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, not lots, but we. But then it's going to be corrosive yeah. on other things too. But I still wouldn't use it, babe, as my ice melt. Though that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing, okay, uh, because of the potential damage it can do to the concrete, and but the potential potential damage it can do to your plants around right. it. It is still salt. It's mm-hmm. sodium. So. Got to be real careful, guys, when we're making our decisions on what we're using like that. Gosh, there's always something. Well, isn't there, um, speaking of sidewalks and all, um, fertilizers that contain iron, and they used to really mess up our sidewalks. Have they changed the iron, or do we still have to watch out You still have to watch out. Anything that contains iron, depending on how porous your concrete is, Mm -hmm. uh, it can stain it. There's no doubt. Now, there are some no-stain irons on the market, but most of your granulated iron products, whether it was ironite, remember Mm -hmm. it was nothing but granulated iron, uh, lawn food with iron, which has got iron in it, uh, they want you to keep it off your sidewalks or sweep it off or wash it off immediately once it gets on there. Great for your lawn, mm-hmm. not so much for concrete, Veda. And Jan Childers texted in and said, if you use beet juice, your concrete will be purple. <laughs> <laughs> it probably would. Oh, man. You know, beet juice is a superfood, so we might not want to be wasting our superfood on our super slick sidewalk i don't know i'd have to do some more research into that yeah but i know they do beat beats on the road they do i read about it last night i mean i didn't Did get you? into it but mm-hmm. i know they still use it as a de-icer yeah. okay cool all right we're gonna go to a break give us a call with your gardening questions or post them on facebook live you can call us 901-260-5926 <laughs> Gardeners, welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So y'all can give us a call, 901-260-5926. 
We did have somebody who called that didn't want to be on air, and I love it when y'all do that too. Jeannie from Memphis asked if the prolonged cold will damage plants. It's a great question because we've had prolonged cold weather. Uh, it's kind of like what you and I were talking about, Veda, the first 15 minutes of the show, that thank goodness I don't think by any means this is the same event that happened a year ago uh, with the flash freeze that came through here because we've had cool and cold weather leading up to this right. event that we've just had. So our plants were able to, quote unquote, gather antifreeze. They yeah. hardened off. So it's not as detrimental. So I wouldn't say that we're not going to see any damage, uh, on, especially on tender plants. Like we were talking to Jan this morning about even gardenias. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these marginal plants, then, you know, yeah, we could see some damage on but nothing, uh, nothing like the the destruction that we saw last year. Yeah. Um, you know, plants are tough, and they, you know, they most of them pull it through this, pull through this stuff, not a problem. And we had insulation with the snow anyway, yeah. so that's always a big bonus. And even the um, uh, the boxwoods, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, we had we saw a good bit of damage from the freeze last year from uh, on boxwoods, but right. then we saw the volutella blight. Uh, during the growing season that uh, caused mm-hmm. a lot of tissue damage. So, uh, no, we're not going to see the, the type of damage, of course, this year, if any, right. uh, that we like we did last year. So hopefully that makes people feel a lot better, only because we had cold weather leading mm-hmm. up to this event. Right. I mean, we did say that there could be a lot of, a number of things that, whatever type of winter we have this winter may still die because of the winter before last. Yeah. You know, some things are still weakened to the point. Show, yeah, weren't showing <clears throat> all their damage or just had a little bit. And then this winter knocked them back. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, if we had like our tropicals or something like that outside, then, yeah, it's going to hurt. <laughs> and, Jenny, you know, things like Japanese maples, you know, we're still going to see some tip burn on those, uh, which we yeah. do every year, maybe a little more this year. Like I said, we might lose uh, some gardenias that are very marginal. Uh, even though there are a lot of hybrids on the market now that are much more cold hardy yeah. than some of the old fashioned gardenias that you and I grew up with, but honestly, overall, mm-hmm. man, it's, it's not it's, it's nothing to it. You know what? We never get questions. Certain shrubs that we don't get questions about, like is this shrub going to get insects? Is this shrub hate the heat? Is this shrub going to uh, look bad in the winter? Mm-hmm. The, some of these we don't ever get questions on. Like, is Bothe- it going to... Bothegaria. Love it. Chokeberry. Yep. Uh, summer Sweet. Um, summer Sweet see. Itea? Or is that Clethra? What the is Clethra, it? Clethra, yeah. yeah. And let's see, Itea. That was another one. Uh, Possum Hall, Hollies, Winterberry, yeah. Hollies. Um, we're never having to diagnose or... Yeah. And you know why? Because they're tough as everything. Because they're natives. Yeah. But yeah, one thing. So they can handle everything that happens. You know, I mean, but think about last year, though. Auto looking laurels, they were gone. Mm-hmm. All the distilliums, I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of distillium, they yeah, were they just did. nuked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and boxwoods, like I said, we saw much damage on. Hollies, we saw so much yeah. damage on. I mean, so across the board. Right. Uh, evergreens in general, all the cryptomeria, you know, mm-hmm. they died last Bob year. Burnham's died back. They came back. Yeah. Clearas died back. You know, sweet autumn, sweet autumn, uh, 
uh, osmanthus. Osmanthus yeah. died back to, to the ground. I mean, so, but that's my point. I mean, yeah. all of that stuff, but we're not going to see that through this episode right, here. So, right. Jenny, I mean, we're fine mm-hmm. for the most part. That's all I'm saying. Now, distillium, you know, that's another one of those plants where I love distillium yeah. for all the reasons. A lot of people were replacing boxwoods. Uh, not I shouldn't say replacing. They were using it instead of boxwoods mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, yeah. or instead of autolucan yeah, laws. Yeah. Uh, they were because there's so many different distilliums on the market now, Veda, big leaves, small leaves, dwarf plants, tall plants, mm-hmm. and everywhere in between. Beautiful. But after last year, I'm thinking, hmm, yeah. are people going to still plant distillium? Right. And they did. So even distillium is going to be fine mm-hmm. with yeah, this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people seem to not replace some of their tall, thin boxwoods, like the um, D-Runk. Well, the D-Runk, out of all of them, took a beady. And the, the, is there one Blanchard? It's not the D.D. Blanchard, because that's a magnolia. But the Green Tower, the Green Mountain, those other taller-type boxwoods Mm -hmm. fared better than the D-Runks did. No, and the D-Runks my favorite. But uh, it seemed like... A lot of people didn't replace this year right. or this this fall worrying about the winter, which wasn't um, a reason not to plant. But hopefully this year everybody will get kind of back into the, you know, putting the hollies and things like that in the containers. And some of the shrubs that we were scared of, we can just kind of work back into using. Yeah, but you can't blame people for being hesitant mm-hmm. uh, there again because, I mean, but then again, that flash freeze we had, you know, over just a little over a year ago was so abnormal. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we always get some funky weather in here, but that w- that just came with so much plant destruction, Veda, that we had never seen quite like that. <laughs> Everybody was in awe for that. Yeah. Arborist on down the line. So we've had a, a fun year watching and seeing what's going to happen. But that's why people were freaking out when temperatures were starting to get down to zero like they did, you know, four or five yeah. days ago. Well, I mean, think about it. the low tonight's 11 degrees. That's not warm by any means. I know. I don't. Driving in, it, the truck said 12, and I'm not sure I've ever been in my truck when it said 12 degrees. <laughs> inside, the, inside the truck. Yeah. But, but like I said, it's, it's, thank goodness it's not the same thing because of the cold weather that we had mm-hmm. leading up to this event. Right. That's, that's what saved us once again. Yep. So we're good to go, y'all. We'll just keep on keeping on like we always do. And, uh, ha ha. So you were just happened to call your wife on a break, and she already had a list for you called getting a bird feeder. We were talking about bird feeders, remember, mm-hmm. in the second hour of the show. Yeah. And talking about how it's really important, I think, to use good quality bird food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care what it is, just, just a better quality than the cheapest mix that you can find. And she was thinking... I guess he was listening and said, well, we need a bird feeder also. We've got a hummingbird feeder, yeah. but not just a regular bird feeder. So now she wants me to send her pictures of bird feeders that I have at Dan West, which we really don't carry bird feeders anymore. And I don't know if she believes me. I don't think she does. Well, she's got to come to see us then. Well, then she said, well, I'll just order one. So, yeah. you know, I guess it. she wants a bird feeder. So Veda, I, my next thing i guess mm-hmm. to do on the way home is to go find a nice bird yeah. feeder and i know i'm not on the way but if i i could always <laughs> head that way though yeah 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 because we have the copper bird feeders and we actually have them hanging out in, on our lot because i wanted to make sure the birds actually like them and i want to have a bird do. feeder that looks decent also yeah yeah they 
These are pretty. The birds are like, well, thank you, darling. Thank you for my copper bird house <laughs> or uh, bird feeder. But you know what I was wondering, and maybe someone, a birding person out there knows, but this lady bought a bluebird house or, or their family gave them a bluebird house. I've got one in my backyard. Yeah. And it, you know, the correct size hole, That's everything right. you're supposed to have. And she's got all kinds of bluebirds around. They'll sit up by the house. They will not use the, the bluebird house. They're there. They're in the premises. They sit on it. They won't go in and use it. And I'm wondering why. Why, why, why? Well, you know? I mean, make sure there's no predators inside the house, yeah. you know, whether it's not, a, a snake yeah. or something like that. Uh, Maybe they don't like the furniture. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, I I, I'm trying to remember. I've had my bird, my bluebird house so long in my backyard. Now, I think the first year that I put it up, I might have had a few sitting on it, standing on it, checking it out. But I'm telling you, from that from that year on, or or surely the beginning of the next year on, they've they've come back every year. And I have heard of sometimes they want them to be more weathered before they use them, but that might have been a bat actually. But I don't know why would a bluebird, unless they just don't need a place to nest, because <laughs> she does live out in the country. Well, I mean, they have more places mm-hmm. to naturally nest out there than they would in a, you know, a suburban environment. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they're cool. They really mm-hmm. are. And the gentleman, uh, David Hill, we've had him on yeah. the show before. He's a retired pilot. And one of his wonders of life are birds. And mm-hmm. he's been all over the world uh, taking pictures of birds. Yeah. I was um, hoping David might be listening. And, but Veda, one of his biggest things is uh, his his passion out of all the birds that are out there are bluebirds. Right. And he's, uh, man, he's put up so many different bluebird houses in the state of Tennessee. It's remarkable. And that's where mine came from. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I was glad that uh, I never thought about putting one back there, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, and later again, since I did, I've had bluebirds every right. year. And they're really a treat to have around. Oh, I love bluebirds. They're beautiful. Um. Seeing all kinds of different birds, you know, you can really see them now in the winter time when it's just decid- when it's deci- when there's no leaves on the tree when it's deciduous outside. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can see them so much better, and it's so much enjoyable. Like even the red birds look very so vibrant. Red. Yeah. yeah, especially with the white background. Yeah. That being the snow, you're yeah. exactly right. Love red birds. So, yeah, I passed a lot of time this week watching the birds. You know, just something else to do, but they're very interesting. Well, I know that with my wife getting a bird feeder, that's just going to be another job for me. <laughs> because true. every time the hummingbird feeder gets low on liquid, mm-hmm. then I'm the one going out there. And not that I mind, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I'm going to be the one that goes out there and fills right. the thing up and hangs it back up. So mm-hmm. now when the bird feeder starts getting low on food, yep. I'm going to get this, hmm, honey, do you mind going out there and putting more food in the bird feeder? Our, our birds are eating our profits. We keep feeding them all our bird seed at work. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody comes in and wants some bird seed. <laughs> well, Vader, when we get back, i got to tell you a story about my Sweet Bay Magnolia that's in my backyard. And I, at first I was like, man, we got a problem here. Yeah. But then I realized. Maybe not. We don't have a problem here. Ah, good, good. Was so it losing its leaves? or? Was I'm not going to get into it till we get back from the break. tell me right. no hints, huh? No, but it, it, yeah, it could have something to do with some leaf drop. All right. <laughs> but we'll get into it. We'll be right, 260. No, we'll be right. We'll be back, 260-5926. <laughs> 
Gardeners, welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. All right, so uh, the magnolia tree, the one that you're going to talk about. Well, I've got a, mag- a, a sweet bay magnolia in the backyard, yeah. and it was strategically planted where mm-hmm. it was. Of course, or, to block the view yeah. of a window from another home, because right? Because they're evergreen. <laughs> some are, some aren't. <laughs> now we do. And that's, that was the crazy thing. The Magnolia virginiana variety australis is one that's more evergreen mm. than just the Magnolia virginiana Sweet Bay Magnolia, okay? Which to me seems like it should be the other way. But I'm telling you, Veda, when I went out there the other day, every leaf on this Sweet Bay is off. I mean, it is on the ground. I mean, not one leaf left. (laughs) And this is the first time that I've seen it quite like that, complete deciduous, where if I'd planted the uh, variety Australis back there, Mm -hmm. it'd probably still have a lot of leaves on it. Right. Now, a lot of us do strategically plant plants to block a view, mm-hmm. okay, well, some type of evergreen. But in this case, I know it's mostly evergreen, and maybe this weather has a lot to do with there's not being one leaf left right? on it. but still. Right, but even just the branch structure mm-hmm. still breaks up. It's not this just a true. clear view. Yeah. So kind of like when people use crepe myrtles, you know, yeah. when they drop the leaves in the wintertime. Yeah, I mean, the crepe myrtle is still there, so it still is somewhat of a blockage Mm -hmm. not as much as an evergreen true evergreen would do but good enough but i I mean at first i was like man there's something wrong with this thing yeah yeah see i didn't take time to notice that there were two different that they performed that differently and usually the my sweet bay Mm -hmm. usually keeps most of its leaves That's what was freaking me out because this year they're all on the ground and it has to do with some of this weather Mm -hmm. events that we've been having but I, and I know it's still very much alive. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's not anything wrong with it. But I was doing some research on these sweet bays, and there's many other sweet bays on the market. Yeah. But between those two, though, if you want the one that is more evergreen, at least semi-evergreen, get the Australis, right. okay? Yeah, because years and years ago before, <laughs> that was really the only one that came into the industry was the evergreen one. So as time progressed, you know, didn't notice there was another one coming in that could possibly more be deciduous that's right and you know they're asking why why are, are these losing their leaves and i go well they're not supposed to it's supposed to keep their leaves so something must be wrong with yours like you said <laughs> because it's losing your leaves and then you look more into it and go oh when she goes well my other one's got all its exactly leaves. And you're going well then something's wrong with this <laughs> you one. would think and you keep researching and going oh it's doing what it's supposed to exactly do. well i'm glad you solved that otherwise you might be out there uh, sawing that tree down. No, good Lord. Let's hope not. <laughs> right. Let's go to Jamie. Jamie, the master gardener. Thanks for the call, Jamie. Good morning. Hey, Jamie. Good morning to you, buddy. We really had a great time with you being in the studio last week, and I just want to say thank you again. Well, thank you all for having us. You know, Mr. Paul called later that day, and he says, I thought I was listening to the Jamie Childers show. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's getting a bit much, but anyway, I wanted to thank you for so much for having us. And again, uh, just to remind you that uh, Mississippi Master Gardeners Presents is be the first big thing that's happening uh, as far as the gardening world goes. It's on the 17th of February mm-hmm. at the Lichterman, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be from 9 to 12. It was uh, two great speakers, uh, Jason Powell mm-hmm. and Dr. Uh, Jared Barnes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
from nine until twelve. And uh, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity. It's the first this with the most this year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got, uh, and I think on the tenth that you've agreed to let uh, our past president and uh, the uh, chairman for this, Mrs. Mrs. Dickey, to come down and, and, and talk more about this thing with you, buddy. That'd that'd be great, but that's but that's the Memphis Area Master Gardeners present, like you said, a better way to garden, seasonal garden information, and that is February the seventeenth. Write that one down from nine to twelve at the Lichterman Nature Center. Uh, and like you said, Jamie, it had those two good speakers, Jason Powell and Jared Barnes. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Absolutely, and uh, you know we're really looking forward to getting started. That's that's the first thing, you know, that gets you boiling, blood boiling a little bit, and <laughs> makes you want to get out and dig something up. Yeah, especially because <laughs> it's after Valentine's Day, uh, uh, and so that's when I'm ready for spring. <laughs> we we are too. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know about y'all, but I saw a little snow, and that's enough. Right, right. Kind of. I'm, I, I think I might be finished. Also. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you all so much. We Thanks, Jamie. You. Jamie, thank you, buddy. And tell your sweet wife we said hello. Uh, and right. and we know Jamie thinks again. And he's a Memphis area master gardener. And one of the things that he did bring up by the last weekend was um, the Memphis area master gardeners present, and that's the name of it. And that's a better way to garden. That's on February the seventeenth from nine to twelve at Littleton Nature Center. And it's going to be, that's what I told you, had the two good speakers, Jason Powell with Petals from the Past, Survivors in the Garden, mm-hmm. which would be great. And then Dr. Jared Barnes, who's uh, Perennials with a Southern Flair. That's the 17th. That's February the 17th. 17th. Yeah. I need to try to arrange my schedule to do something like that. So, you know, um, but there's a lot of plants that are becoming evasive or known as being evasive. And of course, like, there are vendors that sell to all over the United States, but they still have them available, even though maybe they're um, <clears throat> going to be evasive in our area, maybe not another area. There's this one nurse in North Carolina that they're just discontinuing three types of plants mm-hmm. because of being invasive. And one of them they're not going to carry ever is the English ivy. That's crazy. I know. Isn't it crazy? So I guess being from North Carolina and possibly other areas they sell to must take over way more than it should. But I mean, you know, we get them down here too. Um, And then the Clematis teneflora paniculata. They're going to quit carrying that one. Oh, is that that sweet autumn Clematis maybe? They changed that name so many times I, I couldn't tell you. I just thought of that. I was like, which one is that? I haven't looked it up, but I do know the sweet autumn But see, that's another Clematis. one. That people have problems with, we don't. No, that you wouldn't think that would be invasive. And English ivy, is that invasive? Well, down there, I mean, must be. Yeah, because I'm like, I mean, it grows a lot, and it grows great here, but it's not taking over things like kudzu. And then the entire genus of the miscanthus grasses. Really? Yeah. See, I love miscanthus grasses. Right. I guess they reseed in other places, too. So there are... Um, I mean, the only, places that are trying to help. The only one plant that I would never, ever, ever, did I say ever, ever. plant around here is the chameleon plant. You mean like ever? Ever. Ever. Beta, <laughs> I mean, and think about it. Garden centers still sell yeah. that plant. Why isn't that one not and, on the list? Oh, but it needs to come with a warning. I'm telling you, because mm-hmm. that's the one plant, if it gets away from you, it is, it is so hard to eradicate. It's almost impossible, to be quite honest yeah. with you. Yeah. You know, that is hard because, like, you could put it in a container and grow it in a pond in a container, 
But just think, if you're cleaning your pond out and you set that container on the ground and you decide not to put it back in the pond, then the next thing you know, it became evasive. The only place that I've seen it contained, and honestly, this is the truth, the one place, Mm -hmm. there is a house on Shady Grove, and it's got a circular driveway, okay? And in the middle of the circular driveway is a raised bed, Mm -hmm. and it is growing is a Japanese maple in the middle of the raised bed, yeah. and this is grown as a ground cover around it. Oh, but it looks great. It is beautiful. It is, it mm-hmm. is, that's why people are attracted to it, because yeah. of the way it looks. But it's beautiful. But there's no way that thing can escape, because you mm-hmm. have this wide concrete swath of yeah. a driveway that circles this raised bed. And like I said, that's the perfect spot. But I'm telling you, if that stuff gets away from you, it is a nightmare. It is. I mean, I've been experiencing the chameleon plant since 1994. (laughs) And I remember to this day that yucky smell it had in the heat trying to pull it out in Central Texas. It's evasive everywhere. And then the other one is, you know, is our good friend, (laughs) Mr. Paul. He was doing his best just to coat, you know, Shelby County with northern sea oats. Which I love him to death for it, by the way. And, you know, it's funny that, like, in some areas I see where they won't repopulate at all. But in your area, they repopulated greatly. Yes. (laughs) And I still see them available all the time, and I love their sea heads. And then, of course, Kudza, you know, they tried that experiment, and so, you know, what happened with it? It got away in the wild, and just, you know, you drive down Mississippi, drive down Mm I-55. I mean, it's, it's a problem. Yeah. At least it's an herb. (laughs) (laughs) all right y'all one more break and if you want to get that last minute question in 901-260-5926 good morning gardeners welcome back to mid-south gardening so the um 1-800 flowers or not 1-800 flowers but like the flower industry for like cut flowers or stuff like that they're um for them, the plant of the year for 2024 is going to be the peony and the philodendron. So the peony, or peony, yeah, depending on how you want to say it, yeah. uh, are easy perennials that people mm-hmm. love. And I guess they're great cut flowers oh for flower God. bouquets oh, and all Lord, that. Oh, Lord, yes. So that's going to be the big one for this year. And then the philodendron. But that's what, the philodendron is just nothing more than a, a foliage houseplant. Right, right. But now philodendron has so many varieties out there uh, available that it's got so many uses. And I mean, even what you didn't even think was a philodendron is a philodendron now. But Vady, you're so right, because in the last five or six years now, mm-hmm. since the beginning of COVID, uh, houseplants have gone crazy. Houseplant sales have gone crazy. And to me... Early on, when there was a philodendron, I, I, that was just the only one that I knew yeah. of. Yeah, so you got that. I'm done with that genus. So, <laughs> and now there's so many. Yes. I mean, there, there always has been. Don't get me wrong. Right. And some of them are really unique. Some of them are hard mm-hmm. to come by. Yeah. Uh, but they're all beautiful. No doubt about it. They are. I'm still. I'm loving it. I'm glad it's still going on. I was hoping the houseplants just were not going to fade away. Oh, Jim! Thank you for calling us, Jim. Good morning. Hey, how are y'all this morning? Hey, Jim, I hear you're down on the beach, and you got your parka with you. Man, let me tell you, it is colder here than it uh, than any day we had in Memphis this last week. Whoa, that is crazy. Wow, the- now, yeah. today is Saturday. Gonna- how long have you been down there, Jim? Uh, we got down here yesterday afternoon, and uh, it's uh, 
it was 50s most of the way down here, but then the, I brought the colder with me. <laughs> uh, of course you and, did. Uh, it's, it's, you know, right now I think it, officially the wind chill is 17, but right here on the water, there's, there's 30 plus mile an hour winds and it's Ooh. 27 degrees and it's really worse than I felt at any day in Memphis. Hey, Jim, can wow. I say this out loud? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, sitting here looking out the door at the water, it it really looks pretty. Oh yeah, know? right, <laughs> yes. right. Well, that's good. He's got us beat, Beta. He's on the inside looking out, and he's still around yeah. the water. So nice view. But Jim, anything? Uh, any plans coming up? Is uh, other than enjoying yourself and hopefully get some good rest and relaxation? Uh, are you going to go to any of the garden centers or walk through any of the jungles or anything like that? Well, you know, nice thing about Dolphin Island is there's nothing here but houses, pretty much. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, there's there's an aquarium here. Um, but other than that, not a whole lot of activity. This is pretty much just for relaxation, and I'm going to do a little surf fishing. And when it warms up, you know, and the water mm-hmm. freezes, unthaws. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but other than that, uh, you know, it, it's good just to get away. You know, I feel relaxed and... and uh, it, and it's uh, it's nice. There's no uh, doubt so about I, I'll, it. I'll still be paying attention to the Facebook group. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they can uh, people can reach me if they don't believe what TV two say. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> this will be getting in touch with you. You know, yeah. how do we keep him as a friend yeah. so long, Beta? I, I just don't know. <laughs> well, Jim, we sure miss you, buddy. Uh, honestly, we don't. You know, we miss you not being here, but we're glad, so glad that you're getting some some rest and relaxation. And it's good to know also that you'll be monitoring. Your mighty nine ninety. Well, I guess your Facebook page, yeah. Mid South Gardening Zone six seven eight, because people, yep. you know, you got ten thousand people out there, more than ten thousand people that have an opinion, and they're going to send them in every day. So, yeah. Well, Jim, right. we miss Thank you, you buddy. If you get a chance, All and right. if it stays cold down there and too windy, cut your uh, cut it short and come see us. All right, buddy. Y'all take care, and uh, good to talk to you. Thank you, Jimbo. Thanks, buddy. And he'll be down there next Saturday, too, so maybe he'll call in again. Hard to believe, though, on the coast. It's 20-something degrees down there. I wouldn't have thought that at all. But I guarantee you by the you know, by the end of the week, because we got 60-degree temperatures coming in here next week. Yay! So it's going to be... You know, <laughs> and then usually it's, our warm temperatures come from the Gulf. Uh-huh, yeah, so he just... Give him a couple days, he'll be perfectly fine. He'll be thawed out. And I I did see that it was going to be warm and rainy, but then partly sunny on the same days, too. So maybe it'll rain, maybe it won't. I'm looking forward to some sunshine. Need need to uh, soak up that sunshine. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned uh, earthworm castings uh, in the first part of the show about using a a light top dressing of Mm -hmm. earthworm castings on potted plants. Yeah. And that's just one type of compost. And that's what's confusing to a lot of people. There's so many different types of compost out there on the market, Veda. Right, right. You know, like we've got the cottonbur compost, and then we have the blended cottonbur compost. Which are two great yeah. types of compost. Right. And so <coughs> folks are like, which one do I use? Does it matter if I use which one to what one? And why are there differences? Right. And all, and and trying to not overcomplicate things, but say like for instance the cotton burr compost, which is nothing but the burr that mm-hmm. the cotton bowl was setting in. Yeah. They grind up and let it break down. Right. So I definitely want some of that in my soil when I was maybe uh, amending the clay soil mm-hmm. that was there. Now, if your soil was amended, right, and doing pretty well, then the back to nature blend. It's because, a finer, yeah. 
it's a finer particle than just the back to nature cotton right. burr. And it has added alfalfa meal, added humic acid, which is also and, great and cow manure added to it. Oh yeah, and manure. That's true, and the cow manure. So then I'm like, okay, why would I not do both in the bed at the same time? You most definitely can. Yeah, especially if you're making a new bed. Well, and it brings me to the point of like raised beds, like a vegetable garden mm-hmm. that you need to amend every year. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, a lot of people use just straight cow manure. But if you use something like a back to nature or a back to nature blend, especially that's got the manure, the humic acid, yeah. and the compost all blended together, Veda, can't go wrong. Right, right. So a lot of times I'm just like, why do we have so many different blends? But there are, you know, different ways to use your different soil. Say, for instance, making a new raised bed, right. I want to use a blend that has some topsoil in it. Mm-hmm. You know, because a raised bed, if it, you just put it on really, really good soil, it could lose its nutrients faster yeah. or drain water faster. We're using compost to amend soil. Mm-hmm. We're not using pure compost to plant in. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, but but whether it's chicken manure, cow mm-hmm. manure, cotton burr compost, like yeah. you just mentioned, cotton burr blend, right. earthworm castings. I mean, all those are wonderful mm-hmm. types of compost. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with any of them. Right. And then you can even go another level up. We have like a supernatural compost by Earthmix. And it has even more ingredients um, than it's, it's got an added of the poultry manure in it. Mm-hmm. So it's got the alfalfa meal, the humic acid, the cow manure, and then the poultry manure. And then added uh, microorganisms, and too. Sp- and speaking of poultry manure... Uh, it typically has a nice little odor to it. But you know what? I was, I was cleaning bags yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was cleaning some bags of the Espoma dehydrated poultry oh, yeah. chicken manure to where it's just not, it's not the bag uh-huh. like, a, you know, that, like, like the cow manure comes right. in. And we'll have that also. But there's a dry form or a dehydrated form of chicken manure to me would be probably the way I would go. I know. You know. I like that. Like the humic acid when you they started getting that in a dry form versus mm-hmm. a liquid. I, I like that. It's much easier. Anything in dry form is much easier, it seems. But but manure is really the life of any soil. I mean, right. that's that's what we usually, that's our go-to um, amendment, if you will, Veda. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be some type of, usually, compost. Manure, yeah. Yeah. And then... They're also now becoming, oh, my word, there's sustainable. It would be recycling your urine because your urine does have nitrogen, potassium, phosphates, and all that in it. Think of urea. Yeah, right. And uh, so it just kind of goes to show that the vegetables you eat do have uh, good benefits for a compost pile. (laughs) Because if you're processing, but I mean, it's becoming into a real, for real industry. I mean, we laugh about it and all of that, but it's becoming a real thing, especially in places that don't have the um, adequate fertilizers like, that we have. But it, it's not a myth. I mean, it's been around. Remember back in the day when they'd say, yeah. oh, you just save jugs of urine yeah. and pour it on your plants and all. Well, you it be careful worked. Too. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> but now that we have other resources available, but 
you know, becoming sustainability and more people in the world. And, we, you know, we got to be smarter with our resources. Well, and, and it's a thing. And making your own compost, too. I yeah. mean, it's such an easy thing to do. Now, when I cut my grass, I just take my clippings and dump them back in a back bed mm-hmm. that had the mimosa tree before it came down with the storm last year, right? Right. Uh, but the right. soil back there is the best soil that I have in my, in my whole property. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. because I keep adding that stuff to it, and it breaks down. And I've created just this wonderful soil back there. But it's really easy uh, to create your own compost, uh, and that's just homemade yeah. compost. Adding some greens in there, like the the, the grass when you mm-hmm. cut it. Adding some browns in there, like ground yeah. cr- crushed up leaves and so forth, Theta. And all you do is pile it up. Yeah, and turn it every once in a while. You don't even have to do that, well, but you can left, get it faster. Yeah, that's true. We left you all with some interesting topics to think about. No flowers, just a bunch of pew. We'll see you all <laughs> next weekend in the garden.